0: Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride
1: till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 8th Annual Mildly Pleased Award, Woo! starring Sean Levy, John Adney, and Colin Westman. It's our annual award show where we talk about the things that matter the most to us, which are the things that aren't the best, not the worst, the unsung heroes, the stuff you put on right before you go to bed, the stuff you listen to when you're like, I don't want to think about music that much right now, or you just turned your radio on and you have a short trip to the drive through the video games you play on your phone because you're addicted to gambling and you can't help it, the good stuff.
2: The kind of stuff where it's like, should I check it out or not check it out? And someone's like, you, you can probably rent it. <laughs> that kind of stuff.
1: Because if we're being honest, that's what most stuff is, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Especially in this age we live in
2: where it's all about content. People don't make films anymore. They make content. Yeah. Fill There's so away. many streaming services now. That's something that's not mildly pleasing. That's like the opposite. The amount of streaming services that are just coming out with yeah. content. Mildly overwhelming. Mildly overwhelming.
1: Because <laughs> it's, like, it's overwhelming if like, you're into it. But you don't have to be into yeah. it. You can just ignore it. There's really not a monoculture anymore, right? There's only like a few things that everybody's talking about. And it's just like, how bad is Game of Thrones? How good is Baby Yoda? Yeah. No one's talking about... M. Night Shyamalan's show Servant On Apple Plus TV
2: <laughs> Or C with Jason Momoa I'm really going hard on Apple Plus TV Is that even what it's called? I don't even know I think it's
1: Apple TV Plus You have the right words <laughs> Just in the wrong order
2: Okay
0: Well, I don't like it
1: Well, may, wait till next year When we nominate that news show for Mildly Pleasing TV Show of the Year. Okay. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Our first category we talk about is video games. This year, I am the master of nominations. I picked all five, so I'm going to run through them real quick. Anthem is a game I was looking forward to. It was my most anticipated game of 2019. It released on, uh, I don't know, Valentine's Day weekend or thereabout. And boy, did it suck. (laughs) (laughs) I was, was turn this it was wildly pleasing. it around. It had a ton <laughs> of technical issues. And then on top of that, there were just some core game problems that exposed themselves as you played the game for a significant period of time. But I would say the game has a sweet aesthetic and actually flying around and shooting stuff and using your powers is fun. It's the kind of game where if you played a demo of it you'd want to buy it and because it's a you know a game as a service type game i want to believe someday anthem will be good and from what i've heard over the past almost year of updating it's gotten into a better place than it was not an attractive enough place for me to actually go back and play anthem Um, but as a big bioware fan as a fan of this genre I want to believe Anthem can pull a No Man's Sky and actually become good in 2020. Will it? Probably not. But I'd like to see it happen. Uh, another Electronic Arts game is nominated. Uh, it's Apex Legends. This is the most I've enjoyed this uh, this is genre of games. You know, it's a it's like Fortnite and uh, player unknown battlegrounds, it's the, you know, all, a bunch of players are on a huge map and they gather weapons and kill each other until only one person or one team is left alive. I feel like Apex Legends was innovative in that it had unique character classes and also uh, it had this communication system where you could ping places on the map and say let's go there or enemies there or loot there. It was very easy to communicate anonymously with your fellow players. Uh, and it's like i said it's the most i've ever gotten into this genre um i just as i don't like this genre it's not for me Uh, if i'm going to pick up a gun i want to be in destiny where i have the gun forever my guy always has that gun uh my third nominee uh, this alphabetical list by the way uh, is gundam battle Gunflow warfare you've heard me talk about it if you're a loyal uh listener to the pick um it is a game where you get to pick up gundam parts and put them together, and then go to Gunpla Warfare with them. Uh, it is a game that is designed to make me throw away money on <laughs> gambling. Basically, these they've got a random chance of getting good parts. Uh, which is obnoxious and terrible, especially because I have a version of this game that I paid six dollars for on PS4. It has better graphics, it's more balanced, it's more fun to play. I could just be playing that, but that shit's not on my phone. You
2: can't play it on the toilet. Shit.
1: Yeah, I can't play that shit on the toilet while I'm shitting. And then that's a big problem for me right now. Uh, my fourth nominee is Super Mario Maker 2. I think Super Mario Maker 2 is a better game than the first Mario Maker, but you gotta admit... The the level creation tools are a little bit harder to use than in the original, Um, and also Super Mario Maker 2's uh, Endless Mode has made me keenly aware that I'm terrible at Mario games. By the difficulty levels that Nintendo has curated, <laughs> just
2: demoralizing. Them. You realize that you're just terrible. Like at I die kind of so many times
1: on <laughs> normal difficulty levels, yeah. and it goes. There's like hard and like a super hard or expert or something beyond that. I can't even touch those. It's it hurts. Getting old, Sean. Um, also, I think it'd be cool if this game had multiplayer. I get why it doesn't, but with all the cool stuff that it's doing, especially integrating other Nintendo franchises into it, I would love to see two player mode that's better than just us passing the controller around my final nominee is a Tom Clancy game Tom Clancy's The Division 2 so I still think the politics of this series is very troubling because it's um, it's set it's a sequel to The Division which was set in a world where um, terrorists spread a terrible disease by infecting cash money so it's like a a dumb metaphor for capitalism i guess mm-hmm. but you play as a government agent killing desperate people to help restore the u.s government after it's fallen uh and this one it, it goes even further because they're you're like it's in washington dc and you're like working out of the white house and you're it's just like I it feels yucky and the people that made it talk about like we we didn't make a political game we just made like a game that's politics adjacent or something like that. It's really stupid. Um and it's another looter shooter game. I think it's actually like probably the best looter shooter that exists right now, but I don't care about the loot because the loot is like a new backpack or like blue jeans or black jeans. Cause it's set in like basically the real world and what about brown jeans you could probably get brown jeans but 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 they look that different from your brown chinos i don't know <laughs> um i just don't get as excited about like real world guns and real world style clothes as i do about space guns and space clothes uh so those are the nominees i think the winner is gun jump battle <laughs> gunplay warfare because i like it but it makes me hate myself Uh, What could be more mildly pleasing than that? Making you hate yourself? Yeah, there you go. Congratulations to Bandai, Namco. Please, please stop tricking me into wanting to give you money. Uh, Our next category is the viral video of the year. Always one of the trickiest categories for us to navigate. Um... Maybe you'll get a sense of the category by hearing us describe the five videos that we've nominated. Um, and the first one of those is 92119. So, John, you said you're familiar with this creator.
2: I know he does music related comedy stuff. And uh, that's it. <laughs> this is the first time I ever watched one of his videos. And I was very impressed.
1: I said this content creator because I do not know how to pronounce his name. Oh,
2: Demi. Yeah, I just call him Demi.
1: Demi Adooju Yigbe. Maybe. Um, So for, I don't know how many years now, four years maybe, on September 21st, he's been putting out a sort of lip sync video tied in with uh, Earth, Wind & Fires, September, which mentions the 21st day of September, which is why he does that. Um, and they've been becoming increasingly elaborate productions over the years. Uh, and this year he he has some fun gimmicks. He comes popping out of the refrigerator. Uh, the, I think they cut away to like the video and he's like in the video and then there's like a whole uh, band in his apartment
2: Mariachi band
1: a Mariachi band. Now yeah. I have
2: a question. you said at, um, before we recorded this he'd done this before? Yes. Does he always edit the song so that they keep saying the "21st Night of September" over and over? Again? Yeah, it's a weird edit every time. <laughs> okay, I really like that. Just that's all. It's like over and over again. 21st Night of September. The 21st Night. Yeah.
1: yeah, and last year he was like in his garage, and he had this like children's chorus. It's it's a fun. I think he's now actually making money for charity doing these, which is oh, cool.
3: Okay,
2: that's nice.
1: It's a fun thing to look forward to this september if you can remember that we told you about it on in early january (laughs) good luck uh the next nominated video is football cat
2: so earlier this year during a monday night football game at uh, metlife stadium versus the, the cowboys versus the giants a black cat made its way onto the field And was running around near the end zone. And there's a great clip of a commentator like doing a play-by-play of the cat walking around and then running into the end zone. And touchdown! And doing all that, you know, stuff. It's it's like jumping around. People are trying to catch it. And this has been very popular in the NFL meme community. Also, there was like a curse that happened after the black cat (sighs) showed up for this game. The Cowboys went... Um, at least for a period of time, like they lo- like lost like their next like three games. Every cat themed team, the Panthers, Lions, Jaguars, Bengals, all went winless for weeks after this game. <laughs> <laughs> so well, the curse of the black cat. Uh, but yeah, it just how the hell did this cat get on the stadium? And I love that the guy who this uh, commentator is like, okay, yeah, let's have fun with it. Let's uh, let's call it. And the cat scored a touchdown. How many other cats have scored touchdowns probably not any
0: um, um i'm sure airbud scored a touchdown at some point in his career
2: uh yeah yeah that's true but was it in a professional game this was at yeah. metlife stadium
0: that was probably like a high school football game
2: <laughs> yeah so a little different also call this is reality all right yeah i live in this airbud fantasy
1: world yeah, but nothing in the rules says it can't ca- uh, can't play football. I was looking for a happy ending for the story. I was hoping to hear that someone adopted a uh, football cat. I think it's fine. I think but they got it. it. it's actually oh, more no. complicated than that. Oh, no! It says here, MetLife Stadium has many, many stray cats that are living in it. And they usually come out uh, at night post-game to scavenge food. And some people feed them. And so there is a cat population living in MetLife Stadium and football cat still to this day lives among them oh my god this is new jersey right MetLife. it's new york but it's actually like new jersey right yeah. god
2: figures it's fucking gross <laughs>
1: um so yeah the uh, football cat runs down the tunnel uh at the end of that video and i guess he just got away wow. good for him what a hero i hope he comes back and there's another curse <laughs> Any anything that can get a good
2: curse going yeah we, we need more sports curses like what's that one with the goat like a famous baseball goat curse. Or like the Babe Ruth one, you know? But animal-themed ones are way better. You guys know about this goat curse? Wasn't that like
0: the, the Cubs were cursed because of a goat? Like some guy brought in a goat to Wrigley Field, but he got kicked out, and then he was like, eh, who cares? The Cubs are never going to win again.
2: Yeah, I'm and looking it didn't. up. That's, that's pretty World much Series. the gist of it. For 71 years. Yeah. Curse of the Billy Goat. And now we have Curse of the Black Cat. I can't yeah. wait for uh, what's next.
1: And cats have such a stronger magical energy than goats. So this could really <laughs> what about, last. What about Goat Satan, though? <laughs> That's some dark Black shit. Black Philip! He does live deliciously. Uh, our next nominee is Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello, Kissing Like Fish
2: yeah it's uh, two pop stars who are supposedly together though there's like some doubt because people think sean mendes is, is not is maybe gay i don't know if that's true or anything but they definitely feel like a fake couple <laughs> and then i guess they did this video which uh, maybe them joking around about oh people don't think we're like we're together or, like we actually kiss or whatever but then they do this gross thing and it's gross Even if it's a joke, it's gross. Yeah, There's a lot of tongue. A lot of
1: shin kissing. It's weird.
2: Is there some alcohol bottles in the background? Is this like a... I don't know. I'm just... I'm I'm trying to use some clues here. It's definitely weird. (laughs)
1: No matter what, this is an unusual thing that they've done.
2: Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't imagine this is going to be a relationship that is long-lasting. I'm just putting it out there. I'm not trying to curse them or anything.
1: I have cursed my own Google search history by searching Sean Mendes, <laughs> Kamea Cabello. Just because at the start of the video, they say people have been saying things about the way we kiss. So I'm like, is there an original video? Is there an original bad kiss that everything is building off of? And I don't know. There's a lot of people talking about them uh, doing public displays of affection in restaurants and at the beach and in the ocean. Um, I don't know. It's just it's you don't know how deep this goes, <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> but it's a funny video.
1: Yeah, it's it'll stick with you. Our next nominee is the your breathtaking moment from Electronic Entertainment Expo when. John Wick himself Keanu Reeves comes out to promote Cyberpunk uh, 20 2099 what year is it? whatever future year I don't year. remember Yeah future year And um 20,
2: 2077.
1: And he talks about how the the world in in Cyberpunk is breathtaking and someone in the crowd who's thrilled that Keanu Reeves is there I mean he wasn't announced he was going to be there he it wasn't announced he was in the game up until this moment yells back you're breathtaking and Keanu being the adorable human being that we all love now that he is uh seems charmed to have heard that and he replies back you're breathtaking you're all breathtaking it's a very cute moment from a uh typically very you know stayed affair like uh, these press conferences are so formal now everyone is just going off a script it was nice to see the sincere moment and especially it was nice to see it from someone uh who everybody seems to love now and was just having a great year i also like seeing when people call out like a joke
2: in a big crowd and it lands mm-hmm. i don't know if you guys have ever experienced someone doing that and it doesn't land it's the worst thing ever yeah it's called heckling and <laughs> yeah it, and it, it should be a crime i remember seeing magic mike and some dude try to make some joke and it was, boo! And he left. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, joke, I don't remember what the joke was, but it landed so poorly
1: that he's like, I quit. I'm leaving. <laughs> this is not my crowd. I'm coming back for the 7pm showing. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: thank God that it was actually something funny, and that Keanu handled it well.
1: Yeah. So cute. Um, our final nominee is uh, i'm calling it you can side hop in this game uh what it is is a video game streamer uh with a uh very horrified expression playing legend of zelda breath of the wild and stumbling into one of those uh what are they called con trials um that
0: sounds right shrines shrines yeah that's the one
1: um after like 90 hours of playing the game She gets into the combat tutorial shrine And it teaches her how to side hop And do flurries Like all the slightly more advanced combat moves Beyond just jumping and swinging your sword And she's like She had never discovered any of these things And she's totally flabbergasted and upset um, to I guess realize how difficult She had made the game on herself Without ever finding this out uh, And I thought it was funny I also thought it was apropos for this year Since it seems like this was the year Everybody finally finished Breath of the Wild Even though it came out two years ago
0: I know uh, I did I'm, I'm glad you put this on here Sean
1: Yeah you get it How You did put you up feel? some
0: video game content That I could relate to Because this was the only console game I played all year
1: How did you feel watching
0: this video? I was like that's pretty funny Alright and it makes sense, cause like, you know, the game's nonlinear. You could just do whatever you want, and what you want might not be the right thing.
1: And, and that's the game's so long. Yeah, it's a good lesson for all of us. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want, but whatever you want might not be the right thing.
0: I feel like that would have been a good segue into that poop video, but oh, well,
1: <laughs> we cut the poop video. <laughs> And let's leave it at that Let's not tell the people what we're referring to I want you to wonder what the poop video was Just know we had to cut it So what do you guys think the viral video of the year is for 2019?
3: Oh
2: yeah you're right we have to pick a winner Um, hmm.
0: Again just to clarify I feel like we have to do this every year Are we picking the best viral video Or the
1: most mildly pleasing viral video?
2: I think we're picking the best. It's just easier. Okay.
1: Yeah, in the past we've said this is an inherently mildly pleasing medium because it's not like you oh football cat that's just as good as uncut gems, you know? It just doesn't make sense.
0: <laughs> um I mean, football cat definitely feels the most like a viral video. <laughs> And it's pretty enjoyable
2: I like that it, it has like Had like repercussions too Or like that supposedly Not really but like mm-hmm. there's more to the story Than the video too
1: I'm also very happy with Football Cat winning this If, if we're all in agreement
2: And I'm very interested in this yeah. cat The stadium full of cats now <laughs> <laughs> That's,
0: Sounds like a nightmare
2: Just like
1: 30 to 50, Feral Hogs! That's right. So our next category is the mildly Pleasing Event of the Year. It's back... I forget if we canceled it last year or not. It felt like something we should There's have every year. There definitely a year we year. canceled
2: it. I don't remember why. I don't know if it was uh, Trump-related or what. But we were just really down on it. But I think we picked some fun categories this year <laughs> for events.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this year it's very much memes, um, mm. and I'm okay with it. Because we get to talk about 30 to 50 feral hogs. So, to recap, back in August, uh, obviously the gun control debate is never ending in this country. And the musician Jason Isbell tweeted out, If you're on here arguing the definition of assault weapon today, you are part of the problem. You know what an assault weapon is, and you know you don't need one. To which William McNabb replied, Legit question for rural Americans. How do I kill the 30 to 50 feral hogs that run into my yard within three to five minutes while my <laughs> small kids play? Which is one of the funniest sentences anyone has ever written down. <laughs> I don't know why both those numbers are ranges, but it makes it for me. 30 to 50. 30 to 50 hogs in three to five minutes. So <laughs> so we're talking 10 hogs per minute. That's a lot of hogs. That's a lot of hogs. And uh as soon as this went out there, uh people were making fun of it. They were, you know, tweaking it, uh saying things you know, the thirty to fifty other thing. I, I don't need to explain to you what jokes and memes are. I don't know why I'm going down this <laughs> this path. Um but I do wanna tell you guys the final twist, uh which I don't know if you guys heard this in september a month later there was an announcement from the usda that there was a roving band of feral hogs that was approaching the u.s canada border hell yeah i didn't know about this (laughs) and they were warning that if they made it into the if the feral hogs invaded the united states it could be a natural disaster Hmm. um so there was a lot of people being like oh my god he was right all along What a fool we are to make fun of this man
0: Yeah this is one where I remember It being a thing Seeing everybody Just talking about feral hogs on twitter And I was just like I don't know what this is But I'm just gonna let this one go (laughs) I'm not gonna investigate it And figure out why You can't let it go they're coming for you But I'm glad you finally did to me And I can understand it
2: I'm just waiting for the sweet horror movie They make about this I want a pack of 30 to 50 feral hogs that we have to fight off. That's a good horror movie. Mm-hmm. Just call it Feral Hogs. <laughs> I actually did a search on IMDb as Sean was talking about that to see if there's a movie called Feral Hogs and there isn't. So somebody better get there's, on There's that. wild
1: hogs, though. Yeah, but this is very really different,
2: Sean. <laughs> these, these hogs are feral. Will Feral in f- Feral Hogs. And <laughs> call it Feral.
1: Um, the next event that I nominated was the Storm Area 51. Okay, Sean,
2: I did some research on this while you're talking about Great. Feral Hawk, so I have the origin of this now. So this was a, a, a Facebook event. So a guy named Maddie Roberts in uh, June of, uh, of last year on Facebook came up with a uh, an event called Storm Area 51, where on September 20th, the 20th night of september not the 21st uh, everyone would gather and the joke was they would storm area 51 because like hey they can't take all of us right and you know area 51 a place where there's supposedly aliens and all these conspiracy secrets everyone wants to know what's in there so it became this meme about all the ways you could storm area 51 the one i remember was like if we all do the naruto run towards mm-hmm. it they can't stop us all and uh, I can't remember What were some of the other jokes about Storming Area 51 I mean just a lot of like videos and TikToks about people jokingly Doing yeah it. well and
1: then just like the idea Of a bunch of nerds Trying to take on the US Military um, You know the, just all these images Of overweight You know pale men running Naruto style at a group Of soldiers and, and, and There was stuff like like apparently National Guard had to Uh, actually brief soldiers on like what a naruto run is
2: (laughs) (laughs) explain that explain
1: some nerdy shit to you
2: guys so a gathering did happen around the time i think the day before is when it started for this gathering and i'm reading about it right now on wikipedia so um they had a festival and the lincoln county sheriff stated about 1500 people showed up at the festivals while over 150 people made the journey over several miles of rough roads to get near the gates of Area 51, while only one person ever crossed the boundary receiving a warning, six <laughs> others were arrested for crimes including public urination, alcohol-related offenses, and indecent exposure. <laughs> so people got together. I don't, I don't know if anyone Naruto runs. It's too bad that no one got in.
1: There, there is totally footage of someone reporting on the raid, and you can see in the background someone Naruto runs behind them. <laughs>
2: It's really disappointing to hear that only one guy ended up trying to do it.
1: Yeah, of course. Everyone's a coward.
2: Everyone else is just urinating over themselves and getting drunk. But still, it's weird that that caught steam at all. That's just the age that we live in. That's true. Or the new age that we live in.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Leading into our next event...
1: So, Marianne Williamson launched a campaign for president, uh, I think this year. I don't, I don't think she was officially running in 2018, uh, although she probably had an exploratory committee or something. Um, but she was able to make it onto the stage for the first Democratic primary debate, which was a bizarre moment because uh, a, among all these boring Democrats was this self-help guru author talking about the transformative power of love and how that was the only way that they're going to defeat Donald Trump and all this bizarre, healing, mystical mumbo-jumbo. And then she didn't go away? Even as serious candidates disappeared... She never suspended her <laughs> campaign? She's still currently running. Yes. Yeah. On the astral
2: plane. Okay. <laughs> she's like Doctor Strange. Oh,
0: she's
1: she's still got a chance. <laughs> now, this is a mildly pleasing event because as amusing to see her on the stage is uh it's my understanding that she actually has some pretty terrible beliefs um and she's also you know negatively affecting the democratic party by undermining it and you know encouraging the spoiler effect so that's that's all a her but Assuming she does just go away and everyone can forget about her, it was kind of fun to have Marianne Williamson around, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, she seemed pretty harmless in the grand scheme of things. There, there was a part of me that, like, was initially worried, like, oh, maybe, maybe she'll catch on. <laughs> it's, I mean, if Trump can be the nominee for a, the major, the other major political party, like, it feels like anything could happen. If, if just this absolute caricature could become the nominee, maybe
1: she could do it. But like, n-
0: yeah, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah.
1: I know that I've made myself, uh, I've exposed myself to dark psychic energy by being critical of her at all. So maybe I should just <laughs> move on. We should, we we'll should move the on. curse. She uh, does things that we don't, we can't comprehend. <laughs> Uh, something we all can comprehend is Peloton wife, um, which was a real fun moment. So they made an ad for the Christmas season with Peloton. And the ad is a woman filming herself reacting to her husband, giving her a Peloton, which is a uh, recumbent bicycle, uh, for christmas and her nervously getting into it and then how she transforms over the course of the year which is the weirdest part of it because she's already a skinny beautiful person and at the they made no attempt to even change her appearance at all but at the end of it she's like i'm so much happier and better now that i have a peloton it's like why the
2: amazing journey of going from 116 pounds to 112
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god
1: how compelling but yeah, it's just super creepy that like the the storytelling that goes on here is her like her recording herself so it's like she's like I'm doing this yeah. for you. Like it's it's it never feels like she wants <laughs> to to be doing the peloton as much as she wants to please the person she's making this video for, which is us. It's not even her husband, which is like who are we? What's going on? Are we the We're the,
2: the society of body shamers. <laughs> um, we have the power, as we'll talk about in our next event.
1: Yeah. But uh, at least Peloton Wife had a happy ending uh, because Ryan Reynolds, for his whiskey or whatever. Was it tequila? Tequila. Or- whatever his drink is. Yeah. Uh, made a response ad. Yeah. Um, with this same actress just being shell shocked and uh, and being given drinks by her friends and comforted, which is uh, like that's one of the best ads I've ever seen. That's a genius move, you know. I, I'm I'm always pretty suspicious of Ryan Reynolds and his <laughs> reign as the funniest person in the world, but that was pretty good. I enjoyed that a lot.
2: That was funny. And it was just fun to hear the backlash, to hear the people's voices heard. Yeah. As they were in our next event. Yeah, you, was oh, you
1: brought that segue right back.
2: Sonic the Hedgehog gets fixed. So Paramount was originally going to release a Sonic the Hedgehog uh, live-action film. It was supposed to come out originally last fall. And uh, yes. trailers surfaced sometime over the summer, maybe earlier than that, uh, yes. featuring Sonic and it was some real nightmare fodder. Uh, he had very <laughs> weird, realistic teeth.
0: Mm-hmm. Human teeth.
2: Human teeth. Uh, his eyes were... He just looked too human, I think, was the thing.
0: And his Sonic's legs a- also f- made it seem like he was wearing a like the Hedgehog costume. <laughs> like yeah. kind of looked like
1: pants.
2: Kind of stretched out. A weird yeah.
1: length. Weird proportions just all around. He didn't have gloves or shoes, right? They was just like different colored hands and feet he might have had shoes he, I, think I think he had, had to have shoes. had shoes but there's definitely just uh, there's so many things wrong
2: with it and sonic's such a an e- i don't know if it's an easy design but it's a memorable design like why did you have to go and yeah. make them super realistic as you know this <laughs> doesn't make any sense it's terrifying uh so it, it
1: didn't help the detective pikachu with ryan reynolds came out this year too and showed yeah. how to take those uh 2d designs and make them work in a photo realistic those setting. look
2: good i don't know why everyone has to go for this hyper realism shit that this is what i hated about that last uh, attempt at the teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> why do they have to look like real fucking turtles it's and, and it's weird because they always like they try to make them look real and it ends up just looking like nothing mm-hmm. like it ends, it, it's some weird mishmash somewhere in between that's terrifying uh so paramount got a cold feet and they went back to the drawing board uh put another five million dollars into this movie and totally did a redesign mm-hmm. on sonic and as we can see now in the promotional material, he looks very much like he does in the games, and, and it's weird. Just him looking better makes the movie seem a lot better. Mm-hmm. It probably won't be, mm-hmm. but it's interesting. Like it kind of makes me like it, it, it's weird. This is why I think <laughs> it's in the category. Like I respect that they heard the voices of the people and fixed what was a very obvious wrong, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's. It's Sonic the fucking Hedgehog. It's going to be fucking terrible. And also, I don't like that we live in a society where a studio's decisions can be dictated
1: by Twitter. That's kind of scary. Yeah. I also think, looking at the trailer, we all know that the only parts that are going to be fun are the parts that are in Sonic World, and it's not going to be most of the movie. And I feel like with the cats disaster happening right now i feel like we've missed out on yet another disaster by having this movie be fixed um i I also think this story is uh undercut a little bit by the fact that the people that were hired to redo the cg have all basically been let go now so they basically just burnt this studio out and then fired them which is not great that's not a good look
2: I mean, when you have people to rush this out, like fix the whole movie, yeah, I assume that there's going to be some shady shit going on that's not surprising. But, I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll all be worth yeah, it. It comes no. out on Valentine's Day, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a day that'll be.
2: Oh, so now we have to pick a winner for our event.
1: Uh, I mean, for me, it's the Area 51, Right.
2: Yeah, but Colin didn't even know about it. I didn't know about about the Hogs, though I am a fan of the Hogs now. I'm a believer. (laughs) (laughs) Now.
0: Uh, Yeah, I don't don't really have a strong preference (laughs) for any of these.
2: Well, then let's go with Area 51. Sure. I just like the image of a thousand people doing the Naruto run towards Area 51. And that the military had to be trained on how to handle such a scenario. (laughs)
0: I'm
1: just glad no one died yeah it really seemed like it could have happened um our next category we're getting into a little bit more serious categories now we got to talk about the mildly pleasing tv show of the year uh and our first nominee is big little lies
0: yeah so this was a show i started watching this year just because when it came back I don't know, it just seemed like a lot of people were talking about it. So I caught up with the first season, which I liked quite a bit. Um, It was a show that was originally supposed to just be a standalone one season show because it was all based on a book. Uh, And then, I don't know, (laughs) the first season got a bunch of awards and I guess all the actresses in it were on board to do a second season. And the writer of the book, Lyant Moriarty. Uh, Whoa! She, what? It's just such a beautiful name from
3: Sherlock. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's her last name. Um, <laughs> I don't know what Moriarty's first name
0: is. Yeah, I'll look it up. Uh, was anyway, it? she was—I mean, she basically wrote
1: the whole second season. So I don't know; it all seemed fine. And did they send back all their best? Limited series awards? No, they
0: should have. <laughs> they won those under false pretenses. Yeah, that's
1: some bullshit.
0: Yeah. Anyways, I, I just. The second season was fine. Like, all the actresses in it are really good, and Meryl Streep is in this season, which is was fun to see just because you don't see Meryl Streep do television that much, and she was good in it. Um, she played a,
1: a complicated character did the dingo uh, eater baby what is this is a meryl streep reference for the old school fans
0: yeah well, the, the, the.
2: this podcast is for the old school meryl streep fans yeah that's
0: that's our bread and butter um uh, anyways this show it, it just kind of failed to like feel like the second season was really worth it it just felt like it was kind of living in the shadow of the first season because everything that happened was based around like the aftermath of the murder that happens or not murder but like death that happens
1: colin takes a stand he calls it murder yeah well it's it's for the audience
0: to. i say the dingo
1: ate the baby
0: yeah anyways um (laughs) You know, it's all about the dingo and not as much about the baby, <laughs> is what I'm saying.
1: Is there going to be a third season? I don't know. Should there be a third season? No. Is there a know. dangling thread that you want to see get sewed up? Not really. I okay. Was, I was Shut satisfied. it down, HBO. Yeah. Our next nominee is Show. So Sh- Creep
2: Show, based off the movie by uh, Stephen King and George Romero. They made a TV show for Shudder, which seemed like a really great idea until you realize Shudder, as much as I love Shudder, has no money.
3: Mm. (laughs) This show seemed
2: really rushed. It seemed really cheap. And there's a lot of weird decisions along the way. Like the fact that they're half-hour segments, but they're all blocked together in hour-long episodes. I'm like, why? Can't I just watch them in half-hour? I mean, I guess I could turn it off. It's streaming. I can do whatever I want. But it just made it feel like oh, i gotta sit down and watch an hour one of the segments is like okay one segment is like really bad mm-hmm. there are some great practical effects greg um greg nicotero was the showrunner and he does um does a lot of special effects work like he was also does he does all the special effects on walking dead and stuff and he had connections to romero so there's there's like a creeper type character basically like the crypt keeper but he doesn't. He like introduces the stories, but he doesn't talk. But he's like a great puppet, and that's kind of fun. And there's some great puppets along the way. But there's also a lot, of, a lot of like really cheap-looking puppets. And there's some really questionable performances. There are some cool like cameos here and there. Tobin Bell pops up. Giancarlo Esposito. He just makes the rounds, I guess, on TV shows.
3: <laughs>
2: uh, it was a cool idea, but you just need money. It really makes me miss the original Tales from the Crypt on HBO because. There's, like, this premise done with, like, a budget and, like, like A-list people like Robert Zemeckis. Like, y- it just makes it so much more – it just makes it better, you know. So it was a nice effort. It just – it didn't – they don't quite have the money or time to pull it off in the way they needed to. It is
1: Creepshow coming back for another season?
2: I think – I don't know. It depends if there's any money left. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> I would check it out again, too, because, you know, with an anthology show – I didn't really talk much about the actual show yeah. – with a horror anthology show, you could always get that one segment that's actually great. And there's a couple that were, like, good. There's a couple that are like,
3: eh,
2: you know. But uh, I, I, think, I think they are doing a second season, and I'll check
3: it out.
1: Our third nominee is crazy because it's probably a show that will also be talked about as one of the best of the decade. But Game of Thrones uh, limped across the finish line in 2019. <laughs> And it took it took a while for me to not be on board with this show. I would say the first few episodes of this final season or final half season, depending on how you look at it, felt par for the course. Yeah, you know, at least with like what the show had been in this in this past couple seasons before it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the long night happens, and you realize this is what so much of the show was building to. And it's fine. It's like. I I feel like the big criticism that night was like, boy, it was dark and hard to see what was going on in that episode. Um, And then everything after that episode, they're just like, we are rushing through this. We're not going to give you time to think about what's happening because what's happening is so dumb. If you think about it, you'll be upset. Um, And the problem with me is I'm the person who, after the episode ends, I go and think about it and read about people talking about it online. And uh you know start putting everything into context and think about oh this is a story that's been going on literally since the 1990s people are, are hearing plot points that haven't even been written yet uh, in a book franchise that maybe they've been reading their entire life or at least for the past like 30 years or 25 years um boy did they do some dumb things and there's still some like very very pretty shots like this does not look like a tv show it looks like a movie it's incredible And uh, I watched the documentary about the the making of of this last season, and it it reminded the thing. It reminded me most of was watching those uh, Lord of the Rings production diaries back in the day. Like the the scale of the effort here is incredible, and the number of artists and craftspeople and actors um, and extras and everyone else involved in this is incredible. But the writing just lets it down to an incredible degree, and. It's, it's not a surprise to me that Benioff and Weiss are having a hard time figuring out what their career is now because, um, as John mentioned earlier, we have this toxic internet now that can ruin careers and... I think they're out for blood against those two guys. Benioff
2: and Weiss, yeah. They already lost their Star Wars. Probably has nothing to do with this, but you have to yeah, wonder a uh, little bit. Yeah,
1: I think that was more they signed their Netflix deal and they're like, fuck the Star Wars thing. It's not worth it because the Game of Thrones fans already hate us. We can't afford to piss off the it's Star Wars not worth Wars it because they're the worst writers ever. Yeah, they are the worst writers I hate writers that people...
2: Like, I think it's fair to be really disappointed about how the show ended. But to kind of forget the contributions they made to the rest of the show like they never did anything
1: good like they're always terrible writers it's so weird how the narratives become like everything that was good about the show for those first at least what five seasons yeah was them just being really lucky like every they didn't intend to do anything right they wanted to do everything wrong but happenstance led to all the right decisions being made. They did one season that was totally off-book that
2: was pretty good. And I remember the year before that, they did a season that was still trying to use what was left of the book, and it was bad. So, (laughs) like, give them some credit. They They were doing the best with what they had to work with.
1: Yeah, And and that's also a thing where, like, I think a lot of what they're saying is like offhand and self-deprecating, and people are interpreting that as, well, that's actually what they think, or that's how they actually feel. And it's, it's disappointing how intense the backlash has been. um, But like I was saying before, I definitely understand where that hurt and disappointment comes from. Yeah. Uh, Our next nominee is Mindhunter. Big surprise for me.
0: What happened, Colin? I mean, it wasn't bad It's just like, I don't know The first season set it up as a pretty cool <laughs> Stylish show uh, With a very David fincher feel to it Because he was very involved with the Creation of the show And, I don't know that, that stylishness felt just like a little hollow This season I guess it's just like They didn't really do anything with jonathan groff's character (laughs) and he's like the main character he kind of just like sits back and tries not to get as involved with the serial killers that he's interviewing and so he just like doesn't really have a compelling arc and like a lot of the season revolves around the other character played by holt mccallany uh bill tench and like his son as a big subplot, which I was not that into, and uh, eh, it's, it's, it was fine. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Did you watch House of Cards back in the day? Uh, no, never got into it. Yeah, it sounds like you're having your House of Cards experience. Yeah, because that was also like he, Fincher like shot the pilot. He was really involved in season one. It seemed really cool. And then season 2 was like, oh shit, they don't know what they're doing
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe (laughs) His shows just don't get good writers They just get David Fincher And he can, like, make a good first impression But, I don't know The the rest of the creative team can't, like, keep it moving forward I don't know Hmm.
1: So, John, you didn't even watch the second season? Uh no, I didn't feel
2: compelled to for some reason.
1: Doesn't sound like you're getting compelled now either. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, this isn't necessarily selling me. I didn't. I didn't feel like as many people were talking about it, which I figured they would be because it's like it's got Charles Manson in it in some capacity. Manson How much was Charles? Fine. Ma- How much Charles Manson was there though?
0: There's just like one kind of long interview with him. Okay, it's it's a pretty good pretty good scene, but it's not like the whole season's about manson it's actually about this series of killings that happened in atlanta in the early 80s manson's just kind of a detour
1: uh so is marie kondo a detour from what you're talking about uh so i also had to nominate a netflix show and for me um last january's tidying up with marie kondo was an interesting cultural moment to be a part of uh because i was aware of marie kondo and the con marie method um but in giving her a show on netflix she got this chance to uh unite the country under her philosophy of finding what sparks joy in your life and getting rid of everything else um and i think i talked about this on best of the year so far uh what was so surprising about the show was i was expecting something like queer eye where it's like these are good people but they're in a bad situation so these talented loving people come in and help them out and that is not what tidying up is she doesn't even do much of the tidying she's like here's a box here's what i want you to do i'll come back in a month sort your shit out and it feels like people have just like gopros set up around their house and it's full of junk and they're just like I'm overwhelmed and miserable and I hate (laughs) this and I'm gonna die in my stuff (laughs) and then it's like a month later and she comes back and she's like how's it going and they're like thank you Marie you've saved my life (laughs) um you know there are there are the satisfying like before and after uh pictures you know like this was a huge pile of junk and now it's a functional room that looks nice um And she does interrupt the episode with, like, here's a tip on how to fold, uh, you know, a fitted bed sheet. Here's how to organize the junk drawer. You know, stuff like that. Um, uh, Some of her tips are, like, so hilariously mundane as well. Like, I think the junk drawer one was, like, did you know you can get, like, a tiny container and then you could put all the things in your junk drawer in a tiny container and you can like, pick it up? And it, like, looks more organized because it's in a tiny container now. It's... It's. I don't know. I don't know if the culinary method is really something a lot of people should actually apply, but they found people on this show who um, who are being overwhelmed by their stuff, and I, I even liked that uh, they. The show doesn't. It, it's pretty blunt about like, hey, you've got a great life, and your biggest problem is you bought too much stuff, and now you have too much stuff, and that's not really a problem. You got to just deal with it yourself. Now,
2: Sean, do you feel like you agree with any of these tips for tidying up?
1: Um,
0: I feel I th- like you did tidy up quite a bit after you watched the show. <laughs> I do. Your bedroom.
1: Yeah, I get paranoid about, like, do I need this clutter in my life? Because um, I, I see how easily I can accumulate it. It, it doesn't take me much. Um, and as I'm going into yet another move, I'm definitely... Anticipating I will be getting rid of a lot of the stuff I have um, Which is already Cut down from The past two moves So I But I'm not a minimalist uh, I like things I like to think I am So I like respect a lot
2: of them yeah. But it's funny one of them even though I might agree with it I don't like And the one that stuck with me the most is You should keep less than 30 books the idea being that if you have less than 30, you'll actually get to reading them all. But yeah. I don't like the idea of, after I've read a book, getting rid of it. What if I just have over 30 books that I've read and want to keep reading books?
1: So, uh, I think what she would say are, are two things. Okay. One, if you really like having the books, then they spark joy, and you should keep them. Okay. And two, she wouldn't... When she says get rid of stuff like books, that, that never means throw them away. That means, you know donate them to a library or sell them or give them to a friend uh, I, I know that there's a lot of people who are like the waste created by this show and movement is, is hilarious and uh, that's not at all what she's saying she's she's just saying it doesn't need to be in your house anymore I feel like she can't go back on this stuff she can't be like oh but if you like it though I feel like we
2: need the John Taffer of tidying yeah, yeah. up he's <laughs> like, <It's> like, <laughs> like you
1: gotta throw away all this job. Out of here, fuck out.
0: God.
1: <laughs> I want that guy
0: <laughs> to come in. I mean, there, there's Yeah, there's. It comes with a big like, vacuum, starts sucking up all your stuff. And then he only sells it for a profit. <laughs> and then he turns your home into a sports bar. Yes, <laughs> yes he does. It's called End Zone.
1: <laughs> but this is my house. It's called End Zone. <laughs> um, so, which one of these are we going to give it to? Uh, it's tough because I don't think there's any
2: one show That all of us have seen
0: I feel like most of these are shows only one of us saw Except for <laughs> Game of
1: Thrones I didn't even think well, about that I feel like that. Game
2: of Thrones is super controversial I well, feel,
1: Personally I feel like Colin made a great case For Big Little Lies second season It's
0: like <laughs> enjoyable It just didn't need to exist Yeah
1: that to me sounds like the epitome of Molly Pleasing where it's like it didn't need to be here But it's fine <laughs> Sounds yeah. good
0: to me
2: Alright I like all the dingo jokes.
1: <laughs> uh, we're talking about albums now. That's the long kind of music where they have a lot of songs as opposed to. The
2: kind to, that no one listens uh, to
1: anymore. Yeah, this shit's over. It's kind of, like you, kind of you buy at Target. Um, and the first album we put up this year is The Black Keys. Let's Rock! I mean, do I really need to say
2: anything? It's called Let's Rock.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: basically, the idea is. The Black Keys is like, oh, no, we've been straying from our roots. We've been adding, like, keyboards, and now we play in, like, a five-piece band. And this is them going back to, we're just two guys, guitar, drums, maybe a little bit of bass. And I'm like, oh, cool, we're going back to the basics. And I'm like, but, yeah, but they already did that, like, five times. Their first, like, five albums were the basics. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's just more of that stuff, but they don't really have the hits anymore. Like, I like the philosophy behind it, but the songs just aren't there anymore. So I just don't care. Uh, so yeah, it's just okay
1: How, <laughs> how long called... has it been since their last album?
2: That's a this is, Let's see, it was that one that's like a Blue, it's all blue on the cover Turn blue, five years Five years, and they do this This, they do this to me Right Am I right? Yeah, so, <laughs> what are they doing, man? Uh, yeah Tell me about Chance the Rapper
0: uh i can't tell you a lot because i only listened to them like once or twice i just thought it was really weird that he finally released his first like official album it didn't really make that big of a splash yeah (laughs) like and it's i can see why it's just like okay it doesn't really feel like he's pushing himself that hard he's just you know doing his usual like feel good rap songs I don't know, like a lot of the rhymes seem kind of lazy. Like, there's so many verses where he's just like... They're, they're all just similes. He's Like, pop culture-related similes. <laughs> like, you go together with me like, I don't know, Ross and Rachel or some bullshit like that. <laughs> it's just like, okay. <laughs> Come on, Chance. You gotta, you gotta try a little harder. It's like, yeah, everybody loves you, but... It's your first album, man.
2: Can someone explain to me as a white guy what the difference between an album and a mixtape is?
0: Uh, there isn't really one. I mean, I think mixtapes are usually uh, released for free on the internet. Should, and albums okay. are, you know, there's a physical copy and they're usually released by major labels. But this one was self-released
1: station. too, wasn't it?
0: Oh, uh, was it? <laughs> Maybe it's just because it's longer than any of his mixtapes.
1: Because it has skits? Yeah. Does he have skits on like coloring book? I don't remember. I don't think so. I think they're just songs. I'm done with skits, you guys. They're never good enough.
0: Okay. Uh, What about interludes?
1: Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because that... Nilouf, your Yanya album, is on my list of best albums of the year, and that has Interludes. Okay. You used to do Interludes interludes yourself, Sean, when you are an
2: electronic artist. (laughs) The Shaman experience. I seem to recall a certain track called Boring Orchestral Loops.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You gotta pad the length out, you know. (laughs) Gotta hit that 45-minute mark. Yeah. That was one of my favorite mixtapes. Lemonade yeah, <laughs> you're welcome, America. Uh, Sleater Kinney released their last album this year. I don't know. We'll well, didn't didn't one of them leave the band? Drummer? Yeah. Yes.
0: I. The, I mean, that's why this is. I would knock this down to mildly pleasing for me. I would say it's maybe a little better, uh, but. Before the album was released, I think shortly before, Janet Weiss, the drummer, who's, like, one of my favorite drummers, she quit Slater-Kenny, and uh, a little bit after that, she got in this really bad car accident, and it's, I don't know, it seems like she's on her way to recovery, but... Like, after the accident, it seemed like her doctors maybe said it was possible she may never play drums again. Oh, man. That's super sad. Um, And this album, like, you listen to it, and you can kind of see why. Maybe there was some disagreement over the direction of the band, or at least Janet Weiss's place in it, because it uses a lot more uh, electronic instruments and synths and stuff, and it feels less like a rock band and less like a place where, I don't know, all three of their members are kind of equals. And that's kind of the thing I love about Slater Kenny is they all feel like they bring something really unique and special to the band. And that was something I really loved about their last album that came out in 2015. It was just like such a joyous, awesome collaboration between the three of them. Um, and this one, it, it almost kind of feels like Annie Clark from St. Vincent is Kind of nudging her way in there as
1: a member of the band, like she produced it. yeah, (laughs) Colin! Now we get the great couple of uh, Carrie Brownstein and and St. Vincent. Yeah,
0: and it's uh, like it's an interesting—I don't know—album. I—I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just I didn't love it quite as much as some of Slater Kenny's other albums, and uh, I don't know the whole Janet Weiss (laughs) fiasco. Kind of put a bad taste in my mouth as far yeah. as this album goes.
1: Crazy to live, the crazy to believe that No City to Love is like five years old already.
0: Yeah, that's weird. Um, so I had never really listened to Taylor Swift much, <laughs> despite her being like one of the bigger artists of the last ten years. And the first two singles for Lover. Definitely made it seem like that would continue to be the trend. Uh, she released Me, Exclamation Point, and You Need to Calm Down, which are like aggressively upbeat, pretty bad songs. But then she released the single, Lover, and I was like, this is actually kind of good. It kind of reminded me of Jenny Lewis's solo stuff. And so I actually ended up checking out the full album because everybody else seemed to like it to an extent which seemed strange to me because the first two singles were kind of (laughs) shitty and I guess that's why uh, this seems very mildly pleasing to me because like most of it is actually like decent enjoyable pop music it's just a few of the songs where Taylor Swift's really just trying to write a big pop single kind of fall flat for me yeah, I'm done with Taylor Swift. Yeah. She's like super fake.
1: Well, of all course. Right. <laughs> Cuz she's yeah. 30.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if she's faker than any faker than she's ever been. <laughs> no,
2: she's always like I I fucking love 1989 and that was super fake. It's like, check out my new Taylor squad. These are all my friends and but like they weren't really her friends. <laughs> she's not friend. I don't think she's still hanging out with Lena Dunham y- anymore. Mm-mm.
1: But, uh, who yeah. is hanging out with Lena Dunham these days? I don't
0: know. I think <laughs> someone needs to keep an eye on her. <laughs> uh, I didn't listen to the Tegan and Sarah album from this year. This is weird because I like the last few.
2: So this one was supposed to be them going back to their rock roots. Just like the Black Keys, it's even the same length as that other album that I (laughs) talked about. Black, both thirty-eight minutes long. Weird. So weird. But it's just I don't know. I liked the poppy thing at first, the Tegan Sarah, but I'm getting kind of tired of it. And I just, I kind of want them to get back to being more indie, if that makes any any sense. I feel like they've gotten too popular. It's too bubblegummy. It's okay, but I don't know. I, I I just either like. They gotta sound a lot more like they used to, or just stop or quit. I'm just not interested anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of mean. But I just wasn't digging it. I mean, it was okay. It's
1: like it's not bad. It's fine, but it yeah, wasn't different enough. That's where I'm at too. It's like it's fine.
2: Yeah, they so got pretty good reviews. That's why I think I was kind of confused.
1: It's like, fine. You know, they're not. They're not. They're, they're going to be forty this year. It's time for them to. Stop <laughs> Wow <laughs> <laughs> are you Marie Kondo? <laughs> Is Yeah does this spark joy Tegan, Sarah Does this spark joy
2: <laughs> Alright Another category where uh, I don't know that there's one that all, all of us listen things to One of us
3: listen to yeah.
1: Did you listen to the Sleater Kitty album John?
2: I listened to a little bit of it yeah
1: What would you think of it?
2: Um, it was okay, I guess.
1: I think that's our winner. (laughs) That's the one I listen to the most of these.
2: I heard the song, uh, the single a lot with the bones. Like, you disconnect me from my bones. Mm. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah, the bone song. But we're not done talking about music, guys. We have to talk about the most mildly pleasing song of 2019. And we're going to open up with the song.
2: Yeah, of pretty much like the most popular song in history, right? Mm, I think so. <laughs> Old Town Road. This is like a new genre of music. This is country rap, guys. This was a. Uh... Crap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I haven't heard anyone say make that really dove joke, but it, I, it, I like it. It's a good one. It's, it's crap. No.
0: Yeah. yeah, but. But, John, what about the theme song to justify <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know the theme song to justify It's the original country rap. The
2: original crap song. Oh, yeah. Oh, I
0: heard that song so much. So,
2: yeah, this song, I don't know. Well, I, first of all, I think it's so cool that Lil Nas X... Managed to make himself a superstar pretty much on his own merit. Like he was, he's a great self-promoter. Wasn't TikTok his platform? Isn't that where this <laughs> this grew steam? I think, or it was some some social media. He's very uh, platform. He's very savvy, but he uh, he he bought this uh, the this, the sample, which is a nine-inch nail sample, um, or the beat. He, somehow he bought like he he purchased the beat. And then he just put his own version together and he put it on his like SoundCloud or whatever and then promoted himself with TikTok. And it became this huge hit song and then it made it onto the country charts and people were like, oh, I don't think this should be on the charts because it's just, like rap. And like country music should be like white and like super racist. So this doesn't like fit. <laughs> and then Billy Ray Cyrus is like, this is fucked up. I, I get it, man. I did Ake Your Break Your Heart in the 90s. And people like, this ain't country. So he joined forces and they did a version. And I think that's the version we hear on the radio most of the time. And it's like, it's a catchy song. Like, I, I'll, I'll give it credit. The thing is, uh, it is kind of dumb. Just inherently because it's country rap music. <laughs> And it was so overplayed I couldn't escape this song It was everywhere, man But I like Lil Nas X I like that EP a lot I actually put that on my top 10 albums of the year uh, list I'm a huge fan of Panini, man That song's a bop And some of the other songs on there But man, how how am I worn down by Old Town Road? (laughs) I don't know Do you guys feel like taking another trip to Old Town Road?
1: I like the part where they're like, let's make it longer. That's cool. Has it ever happened with a song before? I don't know. Probably, right? Because, yeah, it's a really short song. It was like two
2: minutes and like five seconds or whatever, (laughs) if that. Maybe even less than two minutes, and
1: yeah. They added that sweet verse with Billy Ray Cyrus, Mm -hmm. like, Maserata Sports Car. And someone pointed out it's funny that, uh, that Billy Ray Cyrus does he basically is doing rap lyrics where he talks about all his fancy shit while uh, Lil Nas X is doing country lyrics
2: yeah and had that fun video with like Chris Rock and Lil Nas X is like dressed like a like a country guy and he's in the he's in like a more black neighborhood and he doesn't fit in and it's it's an interesting idea Uh, it's just yeah it's just country rap is just kind of kind (laughs) of dorky but
3: it's kind of fun yeah
2: Uh, Let's talk about uh, the biggest dork, uh, Mark Ronson.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I don't really believe that.
2: I just you know the transitions. One of the most
1: successful producers alive. I look at that dweeb. Uh, um, So obviously, you know Mark Ronson because of the uh, the Uptown Funk. That was actually his song. Everyone forgets it wasn't a Bruno Mars song. He just he just sung it, Um, and he put out an album this year, like trying to appeal to me a little bit bringing in artists like Licka Lee uh, and and King Princess uh, on, on a few of the tracks. And so I was like, I guess I'll listen to a Mark Ronson album because everyone you guys love pop so fucking much now that I guess I have to get into pop. Uh, and I because it had the artists that I like in it, I sort of liked it. And, uh, and I pulled out this one track from it uh, that has Angel Olsen on it. Called uh, True Blue because uh, I love that new Angel Olsen album and I love me every Angel Olsen album. And you know it's fine, it's cool, it's is good. You know it's it, it, it you get it almost sounds like just an Angel Olsen song, but it's it's like Cynthia and Funky. So you know it's Mark Ronson, right? I guess is that what Mark Ronson sounds like? i don't know i know uptown funk he's like produced all the pop right so it sounds like that it's really weird how he
2: keeps coming out with these albums where he'll get like some deep cut indie artists but then i noticed this one has camille cabello on it and stuff Mm -hmm. miley
1: cyrus is on one
2: or like the last one had like tame impala but it also had uptown funk on it wasn't that called like uptown funk the album too basically I remember people like because I was working at Barnes Noble when that album came out people were like where can I get the new Bruno Mars album with Uptown Funk I'd be like oh, actually it's Mark Ronson and there's only one song with Bruno Mars I had to be that guy it's very it's deceptive I'm not about Mark Ronson deceiving us yeah come on
1: stop <laughs> fucking with me Mark Ronson
2: like some of these songs are good but stop man with the deceptions <laughs> just tell us who you are you nerd Just like Sam Smith, tell us who you really are. Is there a ghost (laughs) inside of you? So earlier this year we discovered when we were just hanging out on our downtime, the MTV Live channel, which would show uh, a certain time of night music videos. So we could check in on all the latest pop music videos. And I feel like there's a period of time where we saw the Dancing with a Stranger video a lot And I like Sam Smith okay, even though he seems like he says some kind of dumb stuff occasionally, like when he said, when he thought he was the first gay man to ever win an Oscar. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a guy called Elton John. I don't know if you guys heard him. He's like kind of indie. He won an Oscar a while ago, like a long time ago.
1: He's gay. Uh, He was straight back then. He was straight back then. (laughs) Uh, but <laughs> that, a stranger. Yeah, it's
2: just it's just like an inoffensive kind of pop song.
1: Normani's there. Mm-hmm. She's in her underwear, so
2: it's yeah. Good. She's pretty suggestive in the video. Um, he's just in like comfortable lounge. He's in comfortable clothes, and there's like ghosts jumping out of his body. I'm not sure what's going on, and there's a lot of ghosts. Really makes me want this Sam Smith horror movie with all the ghosts.
1: What was the song where Normani bounced the basketball off her butt? That one should have been up here.
2: I don't know. Yeah, big year for Normani, I guess. Uh, most successful? No, no, I was gonna say most successful fifth harmony. Remember I keep forgetting Cabello. It's from I don't know Ooh. what that is still. Sean, you just you don't understand <laughs> pop music enough. You gotta
1: you're still too cynical. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, wait, yeah. the fifth harmony is from X Factor. Whoa, I didn't know that. Is that on like a show or something? They failed on X-Factor and they were put together as a five piece. Like they all lost and then they were brought together as a group on the X-Factor.
2: See, that's how great music is born.
1: (laughs) Yeah, on a show that's not even on anymore.
2: Uh, Yeah, cool. glad that we learned that fact.
1: (laughs) It's all worth it.
2: Now to transition from uh, X-Factor into uh, Tom York.
1: So Anima is the new Tom York album, and it's the closest I've gotten to really liking a Tom York solo album. And, like, it's just... Why has it got to be so long, Tom? Why has it got to be so long? He's got these sad vibes, and he just milks them. And I think Don Khorus best represents that. Um, it's how would you describe it? It's a very moody song. I mean, even the even the name "Dawn" chorus you know, puts you in a, a headspace of like, oh, there's some creepy shit happening, uh, or at least ethereal in some way. Um, uh, oh boy, I should have like written notes for how to talk about this song. It's fine. She's like minimalist synth a electronic to get through.
0: Quiet.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a very Tom York song. Did you
2: watch mm. the the accompanying film? No, I think it was on uh, Netflix original. It's PTA did a fifteen minute film
1: with some of the songs from the album. Oh, a lot of that going around less last year because huh? there's also that the national thing.
2: Mm, well, yeah, mm. yeah. I kind of like
1: uh, the short film. Okay,
2: there's a song on this album I really like. I think it's called "Not in the News." It's cool, Some cool. I can't song. think
1: of what any song sounds like right now. I I would do it, but it just sound like a bunch of weird noises. <laughs> it wouldn't sound like music if I tried to do it right now. Yeah, like okay. what Weezer sounds like now too.
2: So Weezer's uh, new schtick, because there's always a schtick, is in there. Is now we're really gonna be like hard rock. We're like Van Halen. They're coming out with a new album called like Van Weezer, I think is what it's called. It's not out yet. It's coming out to uh, um sometime later this year. But this is the lead single. And it's got some heavy Van Halen, you know, guitar in it And now they're just all about rocking out And it's like, okay But at the same time It's like, it's hard to believe This is the band that came out with The Pinkerton, you know This this band that wrote these really, like, personal Emotional songs that are like Yeah, fucking rock in my parents' garage (laughs) And then they're gonna be on The hella mega tour It's just so
1: dumb this is like "Let's Rock," but if it was even dumber. <laughs> so even though it's the song is the end of the game, that's it's not a. They're not summing up their career. They're not at the end point of their career. I don't think career. so. I don't think so. I guess the album would have to be called "The End of the Game" for it to really mean anything. Yeah. No, it's just quinky dink. But it's okay. I, I'm I'm
2: very tempted to actually go see the Hella Megator when it comes to Seattle just because our buddy nancy is also like yeah i'm kind of yeah, interested yeah. let's go see fallout boy
1: and wizard green day in our 30s because <laughs> why not why not just giving up being cool yeah you know what what was that it is what it is right that <laughs> is what just, it yes, is right. exactly that's
0: mantra <laughs> um uh,
1: and and. Star Wars just is dumb And it just has to be that way just say, I'm sorry uh, So our most mildly pleasing song of the year Is Old Town Road too good? It's just so powerful It's pretty good
3: <laughs> yeah, it's
2: pretty
1: <laughs> I'm good. sure what I meant by that It is crap but
2: it's, it's just like if there's one song That defines this whole year It's Old Town Road I,
1: So if there's one song that defines this whole year For us as a group of friends It's gotta be Dancing with a Stranger Right? <laughs> Yeah, that would be my pick.
0: Also because the song is incredibly okay.
2: (laughs) It's definitely the kind of music you hear while buying jeans. (laughs) It
0: doesn't leave a huge impact on you, but it's pleasant enough I suppose.
1: Which is what I'm looking for in jeans as well. Um, Before we get into the big three awards we have to take a brief detour into the lifetime achievement. Um, So we are looking for someone who uh, has had a career in that we find mildly pleasing and we are we are <laughs> we are setting them off uh cliff to die
0: i don't know if that's true though i i was just thinking when we we're talking about events did we ever give a lifetime achievement award to keanu reeves
1: because mm. it seems like
0: if for? we did he kind of he kind of rebounded
1: yeah everybody loves him, people now. People love him now bill and
0: ted three Cause, uh, it's like we would never think of Nominating him for a lifetime Achievement
1: award in mild
0: pleasure now
1: No, because his fans would get us Oh yeah Because he can't just be like Hey, he's very charming But he's very dull And he's not a great actor <laughs> No one wants yeah. to hear that
0: No. I just remember one year We had a long discussion About whether it should be him or Kevin Costner you Ooh, What year would that have Costner? been you think? I, I'm guessing we came down on Costner because I think we were saying, like, this is the last big year he's going to have when he's in a bunch of movies. I'm sure Keanu
1: Reeves will still continue to be in stuff,
0: which we were correct about.
1: Yes, finally we did one thing right. Yeah, I'm doing a
2: deep dive through the our the Google spreadsheets of trying to figure out what year that was.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll come back to Keanu. Um, While John's doing his research, I will say I am putting forward Beck this year uh, for a Lifetime Achievement. I know no one on this call likes Beck as much as I do, Um, so already the the deck is stacked against him. Um, But I found out in December that Beck had put out an album in November and hyperspace is what it's called and it's the first Beck album where I couldn't even find one song that I was into it was just very very fine music Um, and my dude is like he's way older than Tegan and Sarah he's like 49 he's like 10 years older than Tegan and Sarah and sea change is 18 years old Seventeen years old, something like. It's like I, I can't remember if it's two thousand two or three, um, and nothing's been that good since then. You know, like Guero was really cool, but it wasn't Sea Change kind of good. Yeah. And 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 you even, won a Grammy for that one album. Which one did he?
0: <laughs> oh, to... That was his last album.
1: The colors? It's the
0: mellow the mellow folky one. Like morning, oh, morning phase. The one where he's like, what if yeah. I
1: tried to make Sea Change, but now? <laughs> and and those Morning Phase and Colors, I both have like a few songs in that that I'm like, these are pretty good Beck songs. These should be in like uh a couple video games and maybe some movie trailers. <laughs> maybe some end credit scenes. Um but man, I can't get excited About hyperspace at all And so that, like, if if even I The biggest fan of the three of us I'm like, yo dude That's enough Then maybe that is enough, right? Maybe we can we can give it to him And, and let him shut it down John, how's that research going? So Connery's has been nominated twice For a Mildly
2: Pleased Award In 2014 and 2017 Uh-huh uh, he lost both times. Both times. One time he did lose to Kevin Costner. The other year he lost to Vin Diesel, who's been nominated <laughs>
0: two or three times. He <laughs> finally
2: pushed him over. Uh, so would one of them have been for John Wick One? Maybe or like we're like, Ooh, oh, whatever, just stupid John so. Wick. And that, what well, I don't know what the other one could have possibly have been for. It just—it's crazy to think about because yeah, now everyone loves him. Man, he's in. The, the John Wick movies that people love And um, And Toy Story And this new Bill and Ted movie coming out
0: Apparently he's playing a tumbleweed In the new Spongebob movie
3: Yeah
2: man he's just He's dating his uh, like uh, Appropriate age woman apparently oh, so cool. He's like nine years younger than him <laughs> He's got gray hair so
1: I guess it works Um just because we mentioned Vin Diesel quick sidebar we all know that besides Fast and Furious movies and Avatar movies Vin Diesel doesn't have a lot going on um did you guys hear about the recently announced and recently trailered Bloodshot yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: vin diesel plays basically like it sounds like a robocop type character where he's he's someone who gets assassinated and reassembled with nanotechnology to become a superhuman killing machine i guess
2: you guys don't remember once we were setting up for a podcast like a couple months ago and i was i was doing my play-by-play of the trailer as we were setting up (laughs) and it's the dumbest thing i've ever seen
1: Sounds so good. There's a new trailer for it out. Then I guess. I guess it's not the first trailer. Then, if if we've talked about it before. But man, Vin Diesel. I'm so glad we gave you a lifetime achievement years ago. He just keeps coming back with projects that nobody wants. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Just like just
2: like Disney, man. <laughs> oh, this is like so. This is. We could spend a whole podcast yeah, talking
1: about I, this. I mean disney makes a lot of movies mm. disney is diluting their own brand in by having become as big as they are to the point where you sort of differentiate it you say you you say lucasfilm you don't say disney you say marvel you don't say disney yeah. you you may even say pixar instead of disney yeah um which to me begs the question if you look at disney as a massive whole, it's just fine right Uh, Mm -hmm. I think what they create, yeah,
2: um, as a whole is, yeah, because there's just so much of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's definitely a quantity over quality kind of thing. So that, I think, tarnishes it a bit. Um, There's some really good stuff in there. There's some really bad stuff. Obviously, the most alarming thing is just the fact that they are so powerful. Mm -hmm. So I think that is definitely another thing that kind of puts them in the this
1: is bad category. Uh, they made a, a strong commitment recently to familiarity too, which is yes a bummer. Very much so. I feel
2: like that's what kind of what the Disney Plus streaming service is all about because they really haven't so far created a lot of original new content. It's you know there's the Mandalorian, but even that is which I love, but even that is you know it's Star Wars, it's comfortable, it's something we know. Yeah. There are a bunch of Marvel shows with characters we're pretty familiar with. I mean, there'll be a couple other newer ones later. <laughs> But yeah, like I can't imagine. It's hard for me to imagine Disney right now coming out with something that's not based on a uh, like a book or a movie or a game that would come out on their streaming service, like a brand new thing. Yeah, that could be popular. Like that doesn't seem like that's something they would do.
1: They're just trying to soak up everything that we know we like. Mm-hmm. And and this could be a turning point, right? Because this was the year that they acquired Fox. Yeah. So this was the year where they went from, you know, the big man on campus to the campus basically (laughs) uh and uh you know maybe maybe from here on out we'll just be sick of the disney empire and and we'll forget that there was a time when we were like oh well it's disney it'll probably be pretty good you know things like saying nintendo is the disney of video game companies will go from a compliment to an insult yeah no It's weird. I think we just got to see how this plays out,
2: though. This could last a very long time Mm -hmm. because this era is kind of new, and it's weird because it's. I understand when people are like, "I don't want to support Disney," but at the same time, it's like, "But I love the Marvel stuff, and some of it's really good, and some you they do let some artists just like be themselves and do their thing." Mm -hmm. But at the same time they're making it harder and harder for fresh new things to to come out and and really uh
1: grow Mm
2: -hmm. who knows
1: you gotta live in the 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 spaces the the nooks and crannies like some sort of cockroach like jay roach director jay roach
2: is our next nominee (laughs) he's living in the nooks and crannies so jay roach is a director I first heard about him from the Austin Power movies. He directed Uh the whole Austin Powers trilogy. All of them. Uh, I don't know how many of those are still good. I think the first one's good. You Uh, guys watched them more recently. That's it. Not even Spy Shabby? Because when I was 10, guys, that was pretty damn funny. Fat Bastard,
0: are you kidding me? It has. uh, Yeah, I am kidding you. Uh, It has its moments. Uh, Goldmember has one moment.
1: Yeah, it does. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know. I think I know, you I think I know the you're talking same about, stage <laughs> about
0: this. Are you
2: talking about the silhouette scene?
1: The silhouettes and also right after when he's when they're walking, he's like, we gotta get on each other's shoulders. I know, know
2: exactly I remember this movie like note for note. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's funny. What do you feel how do you feel about the pissing scene?
1: I kinda liked that as a kid. Not good? You sigh. It's fine. It's fine. It's not as good as the gag of Austin's bizarre hand movements as he's walking on Minnie B's shoulders.
2: So yeah, Jay Roach. He started with these broad comedies, and then here, here, and there, he's kind of peppered in kind of lighter fare. Mystery Alaska is kind of more like a drama, and um, Trumbo, which I guess he did, but I didn't see it. it. Seems like hey, maybe I can try to win Oscars. But then there's like all the dumb shit in there, like meet the parents, meet the fuckers, dinner for schmucks. <laughs> The Campaign, which I totally forgot was a Jay Roach movie. Mm-hmm. But then this year, it was interesting because, uh, or nineteen it came with with Bombshell. It really seems like he's like, I'm going to do an Adam McKay, and I'm going to try to win an Oscar. Oh, yeah. But then the movie came out, and we were like, yeah, it's okay. I don't really like rooting for people that work for Fox News because some of the, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> and it really seemed like it fell flat. And it just makes me wonder, like, does what does Jay Roach really have to offer? It seems like he's just kind of a journeyman director who's kind of been there on the sidelines as more talented people like Mike Myers have really been, uh, you know, the real stars of these kind of projects. Yeah,
1: yeah. When you look at that list of comedies, they're all defined by the personalities starring in them, not the and (laughs) not the writing or. The direction or anything else elevating.
2: Whereas, him. like, you can see that Adam McKay has a distinct sense of humor, and he's he's definitely a, like a hands-on writer and and everything. He those are his movies. Where Jay Roach just he's always just kind of on the sidelines. But he's he
1: was trying. He he wanted his Oscar. <laughs> I don't know what we're imagining here. Him just being like, "Oh, be funny, guys. <laughs> we're rolling. Be funny, please."
2: Oh wow, this the uh, bombshell had the same writer as the big short, so or co-writer cuz I think Adam McKay was the other writer. So, he's was, he's was literally trying to do the Adam McKay <laughs> yeah. thing. I'll just get his buddy. But yeah, like uh, who cares, man? Um I you know, I'll care if they do another Austin Powers. And if it's good, then well this is an impossible scenario that I'm dreaming of, <laughs> but this then I'll get no Jay way it credit. could
0: ever be good. <laughs>
2: Roland Emmerich. Uh, well, another director, yeah. Um, Midway.
1: Did that do good? Did anybody see that? I didn't see it.
2: Uh, Yeah, neither did I. I don't think anyone
1: did. But what? we did, did talk movie? about one of his earliest films this year.
2: Yeah, on our, our podcast, The Pick, we talked about Universal Soldier. You know, Roland Emmerich is one of those guys where... I wouldn't say I fought for him, but I've always tried to hold up the argument that, like, oh, I think he's better than Michael Bay, though. I actually do think he's better than Michael Bay. Because he makes, like, the same kind of movies, but I've always felt he's put a little more effort in trying to have, like, good characters and a uh, better sense of humor, you know? I think Independence Day has some genuinely good character moments, some funny jokes in it here and there. And I think a lot of his movies do, even stupid shit like Godzilla. Like, there's parts of Godzilla that I really like. Remember how it's Mayor Ebert? Mm-hmm.
1: I do remember that.
2: But then, like, ugh,
1: 2012, man, what a slog! Yeah, he, he should have stayed in the 90s.
2: But at the same time, like, I do like what he tries to do with computer-generated effects. He tries to do big things. He's 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 got a vision.
1: To an extent, we're going to watch White House Down on the pick, aren't we? <laughs> it seems inevitable at this point.
2: Yeah, we did Olympus' Fall, and we have to know if White House Down is better. But, you know, that's the weird thing about talking about Roland Emmerich, um, you know, compared to talking about Jay Roach. At least we can maybe agree that, like, the first Awesome Powers is like, a good movie, right? Is there any yeah. Roland Emmerich movies where you can confidently say, this is a good movie? Or are they all just kind of, Yeah? eh, yeah
1: i i'm not look say what you will anyone who's like stargate's bad or independence day's bad is a boring person that has boring tastes that's i'm I'm imagining our occasional podcast guest michael being like (laughs) oh i can't even tolerate independence day it's like stop being pretentious have some fun with a movie
0: yeah i wouldn't say independence day is bad As the uh, stand-in for Michael on this podcast. (laughs) I think it's a perfectly fine movie. I I think, you know, I wouldn't object to you saying that it's good, but saying it's great, I would.
1: Yeah, Uh, well, I've seen Independence Day Resurgence, so my affection for Independence Day is forever dulled.
0: Yeah, I I think it's just, as, as a mildly pleasing director, I don't know if he's has quite the ratio of like passable <laughs> movies to bad ones i feel like it, it just steers too far in the direction of bad
2: i mean especially and, not know, lately what was what was the last passable roland emmerich movie i mean is day after tomorrow passable it's like
0: kind of fun yeah. when, when they're running away from winter
2: okay so maybe that's the last
3: one
1: that's still so long Certainly ago. not like still... 10,000
2: B.C. or what was it, Anonymous. Or didn't he make a movie about like Stonewall that was just really totally wrong? <laughs> yeah. It was an
1: epic riot. He made that fake Shakespeare movie.
2: Yeah, I think that's what, Anonymous, right? Oh, Isn't yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: Where do you think that movie comes down? Do you think it concludes that Shakespeare's a fake? Probably. I don't know, it
0: seems like that's the whole hook of the movie But maybe Maybe it It eventually comes full circle And they're like he's actually real
2: I'm hoping like there's like a scene Near the end where he finally finds Shakespeare Like it's actually Shakespeare Like you know with the funny haircut and everything He's <laughs> yeah. like of course I wrote these And then Shakespeare walks away in a crowd And as he walks away he takes off a mask And he's some other guy It's like whoa who the fucks that <laughs> Is there really a Shakespeare or no, he walks into a crowd of other guys That look just like Shakespeare
1: <laughs> So everyone puts Shakespeare masks on yeah. And he disappears Yeah,
2: yeah, I like that better It's like, where did he go? Because he's anonymous
1: He's anonymous
2: Just like Toto, right? <laughs> Why?
1: Toto. Okay, what? let's name all what the is... members of Toto To fight the accusation that they're anonymous
2: uh Steve Lou Kather, Classic rock guitarist of Toto. Yeah. I knew... Yeah. I know uh, John Williams' son uh, became the lead singer of Toto, like, in the early 90s. Oh. But yeah, didn't, Toto...
0: Didn't one of their drummers play in The Who at some point? <laughs> like, in the 80s. Oh,
2: probably. I don't know. I feel like the main guys you need to know are Steve Lou Kather... And then their keyboard player is occasionally their lead singer, like he sings The Verse to Africa, David Pache. Um and then there's Steve Percaro, who's like the other lead singer, who's like he's the one who's hitting the he's hitting the beat of the high notes, man. Hell yeah. But like yeah, they broke up this year, which I thought was funny that I I found that out cuz it's like, really? oh, they're still together. Okay. Like I'm sure it wasn't the original lineup. But, like, it's crazy that Toto was, at a time, a very popular band. They, in 19, I think it was 82, won um, Album of the Year, Record of the Year, Producer of the Year for Toto 4, uh, which is the album that has Africa. It also has
3: Rosanna, Rosanna.
2: And then the only other song that anyone knows by Toto is Hold the Line, Love isn't Always on Time. I know that one. Yeah, those are the three songs. And they're, like, okay. They're kind of catchy. Um, they have some good guitar stuff. A lot, of, a lot of fun keyboard stuff. But also, this is, like, the ultimate band you hear at the dentist, right? This isn't cool.
1: So we're saying everything good they did was between, like, the end of the <laughs> 70s and the start of the 80s. As far as I'm concerned. And they made it to 2019 without breaking up. Are you saying you got some respect here? I'm saying that's, that's pretty fucking hard to do.
2: It uh, looks like they broke up in two thousand eight, uh, yeah, and then got back together in 2010. Oh, then what are we even talking about here? <laughs> <I> just, that's <laughs> funny. I got Dodo because it seems like they kind of like came back into the public consciousness with uh, Weezer's cover of Africa.
1: Yeah, Africa has been a meme for a long time. I don't know why. I don't know what it is the internet likes about it.
2: I think it is catchy. It's got. Keyboard uh, sounds that don't hold up. It's got some weird instrument choices in there, and just the fact that it's like "Bless the rains in Africa,"
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it's sung by a bunch of white guys. Like, mm-hmm. it's just the cheesiest thing. It's the, it's the perfect guys. The perfect combination of eighties cheese. I think people really they like that. It's funny, but it's also uh, a catchy song. Colin, I got a question for you. Who is uh, better, Sticks or Toto?
0: Mm. I guess I'll go Toto. Oh,
2: I think I go Sticks. Interesting. I,
0: I just I couldn't think of a third Sticks. <laughs> oh I, wait, no, I come can on. Mr.
1: Roboto, right? Mr.
0: Roboto. You're not thinking of Mr.
1: Roboto. <laughs> come,
0: come sail away, and the uh, uh,
1: lady, lady. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay. See, there, Colin gets there's, it. There's Don't forget too
2: much time on my hands.
1: Oh, which one's or, that one? Or what's
2: that, Renegade? Hmm.
3: <laughs> da, 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 da,
1: da, da, oh sure, da, sure, sure. Da, da. I'm just really happy that I knew when Colin said I couldn't think of a third song, I knew what his two songs were and the one he was forgetting. Yeah, I'm really those, proud of that. Those, those are the ones.
2: So, I mean, clearly we're we're such experts on the topic that um, I don't think we need to bore people with any more conversation about us it. just going into this deep Toto sticks lore. So yeah, I, I let's uh, let's crown our winner In lifetime achievement. I like uh, Beck because uh, mm. oh, Colin doesn't like Beck. Is it because no, there's too much good no, stuff? No, I was
0: just I was just thinking about. It. I was just like, yes, yes, that's interesting. <laughs>
2: I didn't chime in because I was doing research on counter Reeves, but uh, yeah.
0: Beck, I've always felt like
2: he makes pretty good songs, but I feel like he's not a very good performer himself. Mm. He's not much of a singer. Uh, I think he's a great producer. And he, he had some very interesting
1: sounds. I mean, he can't. He, when he started becoming popular, it was like, look, he's doing like rap stuff in rock music. And it's like, that's like, are we still going to be fans of Lil Nas X when he is into his 50s? I don't
3: know. You give me a lot to think about, though.
2: <laughs> well, let's look at some of our other nominees. Who else has... uh,. Who's really
1: deserving of that trophy? I think for me, it's down to Beck and, and Jay Roach. <laughs> Those are the compelling I think arguments. Jay Roach I is good.
0: I would be okay with Disney also. Um,
1: Disney's an ominous choice. I feel like we put ourselves on the path that Disney breaks bad if we make Disney our lifetime achievement in mildly pleasure this year.
0: Or they'll just like shut down our website.
1: <laughs> they could do it. <laughs> like they're that. so powerful.
0: You can't say that about Jay Roach.
1: (laughs) Well, he could use the publicity. Sure. Why not?
2: Let's do Jay Roach.
1: All right. (laughs) Congratulations uh, on a lifetime of mildly pleasing achievement, uh, Jay Roach. All right. Here we go. The Big Three. The the best performance by an actor in a film. If by best we mean most mildly pleasing. (laughs) And our first nominee is Jake Gyllenhaal, specifically for Velvet Buzzsaw. He was also in Spider-Man Far From Home in 2019, and maybe another movie that I don't know about.
2: I like the Spider-Man performance.
1: It's very good. A lot of people are like, Mysterio's great, I want him back, and that's Mysterio. No one gives a fuck about Mysterio except that he wears a fishbowl on his head, (laughs) and he changed that.
2: Yeah, man. Uh, did you guys see Velvet Buzzsaw?
1: Hell no It was a Netflix
2: no. uh, original from Dan Gilroy Who uh, Ooh, started his one. career strong, Ooh, with, strong. Uh, with Nightcrawler And then made Roman J. Israel Esquire <laughs> And now is did Velvet Buzzsaw Which is a horror movie about the art world And Jake Gyllenhaal plays an art critic Very eccentric, weird accent Bisexual He's very Andy Warhol-esque it's a bizarre performance, and it's kind of fun sometimes, but other times it's like, "What is this character? Why is Jake Gyllenhaal playing this character?" I kind of feel like Jake Gyllenhaal's too handsome and hot to play this character. Like, there's a scene where he takes off his shirt, and he's like
1: beyond ripped. Oh, well, because he's 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 got that Disney money. He's getting Disney ripped <laughs> and like Kamal like, Nagiani.
2: It, yeah, but it's just like I I couldn't imagine like if I was watching like something with Andy Warhol and Andy Warhol doing his shirt and he's got like a six pack. It is weird.
1: And he grated cheese on his abs.
2: <laughs> you know, he did really like WWF. So maybe he was just trying to get ready. Uh, but yeah, it's just a weird movie and it's a weird performance. I kind of liked Velvet Buzz. I could totally understand why some people thought it was just horrible cuz it's really corny. Um, but yeah, I like that Jake Jill Hall is going there. He gives the occasional pretty wacky performance, like in Okia. Specifically, his Netflix original performances. <laughs> Except for Bella Bosa. No, I said that those the Netflix originals are his wacky performances, and this was a Netflix. Oh, you're film. calling it wacky. You're not just
1: calling it bad.
2: It's a mildly uh, That's right. It's a mildly pleaser. I like some of it. It's I, just okay. weird. Okay. He's too rich. I forgot what we were doing He's for too a second. Rip. Just Our next guy's... Oh, these people are all too ripped, except for one of them. Uh, our next guy's way too ripped. Uh, luckily, he doesn't take his shirt off. James McAvoy, It Chapter 2, Slash Dark Phoenix, uh, Slash Glass, maybe? maybe? None of us saw it, but I didn't like Split, and I didn't like that He
1: definitely is ripped in taking his shirt off in Glass. He, absolutely. Uh, he's, like, crawling
2: on all fours, jumping around. Uh, let's talk about It uh, Chapter 2 first. This is a very boring character. This is our lead in It, mm, Chapter 2. Mm. Uh, and he's just dull, man. He should be like this interesting uh, writer guy. And it's just like James McAvoy struggling through uh, an American accent that's just the generic British person trying to an American accent. Just tirelessly uh, caught up in these nightmares of his dead brother, which we're so tired of. It's, it's just boring, man. At least he, he has nothing. that
0: one great scene with Peter
1: Bogdanovich
2: Yes <laughs> Love that
1: Into it I would say he also gets out-acted by Stephen King In his one scene with Stephen <laughs> King
2: <laughs> Yeah That's weird How often does a cameo performance surpass the, uh, the, the lead star in of the movie? Film. And it just makes me think Is James McAvoy really great in anything? Can you think of anything you've really liked him in? I like
1: him, but like that I'm not trying to knock him something. or anything. He's been around for so long. I remember the first
2: time I ever heard of him was Last King of Scotland. So people must have liked that. I never actually saw that movie.
1: Wasn't that a Best Picture nominee?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think. No, no, it wasn't. Mm, I don't think so. It was Best Actor it, winner.
1: Yeah, for
0: Forrest Whitaker. Yes. I feel like he could have been nominated for a Lifetime Achievement Award this year. <laughs> just feels a little mean because he's not that old.
2: Sean tell me about next Dark, year Tell me about Dark Phoenix
1: Yeah, so I wanted to nominate both uh, McAvoy And also Michael Fassbender For their work in Dark Phoenix Because um, both of them Have been the faces of the X-Men franchise for a long time I mean, you, you didn't really notice it Because Hugh Jackman Was the face for Almost the entire run of the franchise But uh mcavoy and Fastbender have been starring in x-men movies from literally 2011 to to 2019 basically wow. the full decade we just <laughs> lived through um and they're they're trying so hard uh and as far as mcavoy i feel really like at, at some point probably in the 80s 90s x-men writers had this idea of like what if like, Charles Xavier has, like, a dark side. What if he's, like, lying and manipulating people? He is a telepath. He can do that. And I, and that undercurrent for the character has, like, developed into, like, like low-key, he's the greatest villain in all out of all the mutants, Professor X. He's manipulating everyone. He's hiding information. He's making everyone work for him and do things the way he wants to. And Dark Phoenix delves into that a little bit. Like, he, he's, like, he's been manipulating Jean and hiding her past his whole life. Or her whole life, um, and it's just like I don't. This movie doesn't earn that because he's been the paragon of goodness. Who's like he's, he's had his own struggles that he's overcome, and like this one really feels like it should be Professor X at the height of his goodness and the height of his powers. And instead, it's like, oh, what if he's bad actually? What if he deserves to die? Um, and Fastbender I also nominated because Michael Fassbender doesn't know how to make his career good he, <laughs> he just doesn't pick interesting projects but he fully commits to the stuff that he's in and so he has a minor role in Dark Phoenix because it's set again like another 10 years after X-Men Apocalypse so he's like living alone on some island Um, But he's acting the hell out of this, like, totally broken version of Magneto that exists in this specific timeline, who's given up all his ambition and just wants to live on his island with his mutant friends. Um, I also want to give Fassbender props for being the best at acting out mind powers of any actors in the superhero game. The way he holds his hand at special effects and (laughs) furrows his brow and grimaces at things, you really believe he's trying to move stuff with his mind. Um, I don't think anyone does it better than Michael Fassbender and, uh, and we saw some more of that great work in Dark Phoenix a, uh, a movie that is terrible a movie that is so bad I did not put it up for a Mildly Please Award for <laughs> Film of the Year um, it's right up there with Men in Black International as one of the worst movies I've ever seen in theaters and I saw them both in theaters last year
2: nice I think Fastbender's going to bounce back I hope with next goal wins, which is fun, kind of it's a, kind of like a pun because it's a soccer movie or a football movie. But I yeah, at... I
0: hadn't really realized he'd had kind of a bad string of films ever since Steve Jobs. I guess just looking at his filmography. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Snowman movie. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Police. Assassins Officer. Creed. <laughs> yeah, not great.
2: Not great. Uh, Kung Fury Two go though, guys. Kung Fury Two. They're gonna get it this time. I don't know. What I like Kung Fury. What? I don't know what I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> They're
1: gonna get it this time. You guys know
2: about Kung Fury? It's like I, a, I saw yeah, it. Yeah. It's like a yeah, thirty-minute, really. thirty-minute '80s. Oh, it's so hard to explain. It's like Swedish. It's just like all the '80s like cliches thrown into one. It's like karate cop. It's all on green screens, fighting Hitler, and there's a dinosaur in it. Just ridiculous '80s stuff. It's just
1: Ready Player One. But yeah, sincerely.
2: And they're making uh, a new one. And It's called Ready Player or No God, now I'm, now I'm mixing, I'm Ready Player mixing, Fury. Ready
3: Player
2: <laughs> Called Gun Fury too. Um, and it's got Michael Fassbender and Arnold Schwarzenegger as the president, and Jerma Tacombe is reprising his role as Adolf Hitler from the original short. Yeah, great. And David Hasselhoff is playing a talking car. So it sounds kind of funny. It sounds like a, it has a Netflix original written all over it. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Poor Michael Fassbender. Uh, let's talk about Robert De Niro and Joker. This was kind of a weird choice. He's not the lead of the film. Usually this is a category uh, reserved for leads. But I just wanted to talk about it because I think it's funny that he's in this because it seems like he's really only in this because the inspiration behind this movie is Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. So it's like, what's the what can we do to make it like those movies? Let's literally get the guy from both of those <laughs> movies. Even though... This is a character that he is not well suited for. Nope. This is a late night comedy talk show host. It's not even like the best person you could have picked from Taxi Driver. Like, Can't you imagine Albert Brooks doing a better job <laughs> in this performance, mm-hmm. in this, this character? Yeah. It's just weird. Robert De Niro, he has one good scene, which is why I put in the Miley Please category. I think he does do a, a, a good job in the scene where he confronts the Joker. But then in the most The rest of it, It's just like I can't imagine This ever existing This weird old man Who's not really that charming On late night TV <laughs> Doing his shtick, And it's like It feels like shtick From like the 50s mm-hmm. Not I guess this is the 80s I'm not sure Or maybe late 70s
1: The dark times
2: It's just weird It's just lazy it's, He's only in there Because of his Scorsese past That's mm-hmm. it Not
1: because he's right For this character And because That was the only way They could lure Mark Maron To be in the film <laughs>
2: Yes, My man, He's barely like in this. He has like one scene.
1: Yeah, because he wanted to do a scene with De Niro, and then low key badmouth the movie. Yeah, <laughs> during the publicity tour, they locked again on that one.
2: Uh. So yeah, Joker. Weird movie. We'll talk about it again in a little bit. <laughs> Another
1: weird movie is Gemini Man. Gemini Man is so weird. I can't call it bad. There are good things about it, and one of them is Will Smith's performance. So I put him up for it in this category. Uh, he's playing himself 20 years younger, as well as playing himself now. And even without all the digital effects, um, you could tell that they're different people. Um, which is weird to say, because obviously they've totally erased Like it's, its performance capture and it's his voice. But when we talk about the young Will Smith character, we're talking about an entirely digital creation. Um, so it's, it's like, I don't know how much credit you can actually give to Will Smith for that performance, but I, I feel like he's earned it. Um, as, as much as we, like, it, it's become commonplace to criticize Will Smith. He's just, he's looking for that next big hit. He doesn't know where to find it. So he just keeps taking these weird movies Um, where like we can all tell from a distance this is not going to be a hit, but for some reason he thinks that's the one that's going to slow the skid for him. And Gemini Man has these... I don't know. There's something about it that's impressive, even though it's really dumb and some of the action doesn't work because of the fancy way the movie was made. But, I don't know, I don't know, I can't hate it You ever had that feeling, Colin? You just can't hate it? <laughs> yeah, I think so I don't think he wins it's... the category, though Sounds sounds too
0: complicated yeah. <laughs> I feel like a mildly pleased award winner always has to be a little passive <laughs> it's a border- Bordering on apathy, but just a <laughs> glint of, of pleasure.
1: Well, I mean, we had a triple threat this year with James McAvoy.
2: James McAvoy Six. has been nominated before, too. I looked it up. He was nominated for a split.
1: Well, so he's <laughs> reprising that same role this year.
2: <laughs> yeah, but
1: this time. This maybe... time, he was up against Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Fassbender, Robert De Niro. Giving also giving one of his best performance in a long time in another movie. I'm hoping
2: that cancels it out because Robert Niro was so good in The Irishman.
1: Well, also these are four leading men and one supporting performance.
2: I like I like the choice of James McAvoy just because we have him for three movies. Okay. <laughs> he was so consistent in all of them and consistent on a level that you don't want him to be on. But not a bad level. He's got talent.
1: We'll see. So I'll, we're giving it to McAvoy? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Our next uh, and penultimate category is a uh, mildly pleasing achievement in acting by a woman or an actress. And our first nominee is Brie Larson. So here's the thing up until Captain Marvel came out, everyone agreed larson is like one of the best actresses of her generation or whatever it seemed like it, it, the the hype for captain marvel was so positive um and then when it came out all i heard about were people including people that i trust a lot and am related to being like oh why does she have to be so mean to everyone why is she so off-putting um that wasn't personally my reaction to the character uh carol danvers i thought uh she was playing someone who was tough and she doesn't take anyone's bullshit and that's cool that's not threatening to me but i know enough people had a negative reaction to captain marvel that i thought we we had to put on this list
3: yeah
2: i like the performance i feel like people complaining about her being mean seems a little sexist like did we, did anyone ever complain about like Steven Skull being like, he's so mean in his movies? <laughs> <laughs> no. Nobody cares, because nobody cares if you're a tough guy in an action movie, but if you're a tough chick in an action movie, suddenly it's a problem. I like this performance. I think people are dumb.
1: What about the problem that people say she's so powerful in Captain Marvel that they had to like send her to another planet in Endgame to like take her out of the game? She's just too powerful, she just kill everybody. Did you get that vibe? That she was too powerful? That Captain Marvel's too powerful.
2: I, I I, mean, I guess I didn't get that vibe, but... I feel like now we're straying a little bit yeah. from the
1: quality of the performance. <laughs> like, what is, what
0: is She's too powerful! <laughs> Everyone in the Avengers universe is too powerful.
1: Well, actually a lot of people are like less powerful than they are in the comics. Um, mm. uh, yeah. Let's talk about It again. <laughs> sure. Jessica Chastain, we're putting up.
2: We don't have to spend a lot of time on this. This is a blank character. This is very much like the James McAvoy uh, performance and character.
1: <laughs> this one was weirder to me because you always got with uh, with James McAvoy's character, like it, it's it's the death of his brother that defines him. That's the trauma yeah. he's dealing with. With Jessica Chastain, there's mostly she's dealing with this domestic abuse uh, or her father, like the trauma that her father inflicted. But then also they're like, but there's a love story going on. And this poem she cares about a lot. Um, and I guess she's going to fall in love at the end of the movie. And she's running away from another domestic situation at home. That's like, did she kill that guy? What's going on? In the
2: book, she got, yeah, she, that guy got his comeuppance. But that didn't happen in the movie. So it felt really weird to include yeah. it at all. It's like, let's just traumatize his character and like give her nothing to do and give her no redemption. Uh, she'll just fall in love. <laughs> just a boring character I mean Jessica Chastain's always talented but there's only so much you can do with this kind of character Mm -hmm. definitely disappointing considering how much I like that character in the first It movie
1: yeah I think everyone agreed that that actress was one of the best performances in It chapter one
2: so this is yeah it just really fell flat whatever that little
1: girl's name is
2: Sophia Lillis or something I
1: think Willis
2: Lillis or Lillis Sophia Lillis I think I don't know yeah she's good um Yeah, Yeah, you nailed it. Sophia Lillis. Okay, nice. Uh, Next is uh, an actress (laughs) who I didn't realize has won this category before. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Lily James for Yesterday. Lily James previously won this category for Baby Driver. It's funny because I was going to go go into this being like – man you know I just didn't really like her in Baby Driver totally forgetting that yeah well that's why we nominated for a Mildly Pleased Award like she's she's charming and I, I nominated her for Yesterday which is a Richard Curtis movie so yeah of course if you're a woman Richard Curtis movie you're not gonna have much to do and you're pretty much just the object of some dude's affection uh, spoiler alert they don't end up together though she ends up with some other guy so that's kind of a nice change this of this is John
1: Lennon John
2: Lennon <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine us together <laughs> um she plays like the guy's manager kind of um but it's you're always thinking they're maybe gonna get together but it's a boring character she's not that funny she's uh, they kind of try to play her off as like oh I'm kind of like befuddled and quirky but it's like she's very beautiful and it's hard to believe that she's like that um but yeah I don't know I just Lily James is not really doing much for me I think she kind of came into the spotlight with that Cinderella movie which was a, like a huge hit but I never saw. I wanted to talk about. I wanted to go off on a tangent about Baby Driver, but we probably did that when we talked about it years ago. <laughs> I wanted to mention. Uh, I like the movie Baby Driver, but do you guys think that is a
1: well-cast mm. well cast movie? Well, I mean, this was a big controversy at the time because I did not like Jamie Foxx's performance, and you guys did.
2: But now I'm looking back, I'm like, how much better would that movie have been with a, like a entirely different cast? <laughs> Or even just an all British cast. It's
0: kind of a weird one. I mean to having Kevin Spacey there looking after a young boy is also weird. <laughs>
2: I will also point out that Ansel Elgort won that category for actors. Wow. For the mildly pleased to And
1: her character was Deborah, right? And they used the Beck song "Deborah" to introduce her. And then we talked about Beck it's all this connected, year. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but yeah, this is just kind of a boring, whatever performance. Uh, I don't feel the need to give Lily yeah. James another mildly pleased award. Mm-hmm. I say that like it's like a horrible dishonor. It's like you're fine, you yeah. know. It's like it's okay. It just it didn't blow us away.
1: Um, I put up Mackenzie Davis for her work in Terminator Dark Fate. Um, this was a role that a lot of people were hyping up before a lot of the trailers came out and we realized how much of a Sarah Connor movie this was going to end up being. Yeah. Um, and that was definitely the case when I actually saw the movie too, where the two new leads take a side uh, and, and and let the two returning leads take over the movie. Um, but very early on mackenzie davis is playing this uh uh basically what i described vin diesel being earlier like genetically enhanced with nanomachines super soldier uh who's traveled back in time to save uh basically the next generation sarah connor uh this other woman um and she's super tough and she's fighting the weird black goop terminator um uh, and she's got short hair, and she's got tank top, and her big muscly arms are out. Um, she seems cool. And then, <laughs> and then they're like, but, but after she uses her powers for five minutes, she needs to sleep a lot and eat a lot of calories and take an ice bath and all this Whoa, stuff. Universal Soldier. Just like Universal Soldier. Yes. <laughs> uh, and it's like, oh, man. This was fun, and now it's lame. Now that they've humanized her... In such a boring way um, I, I lost interest But I respect the original intent Of the role
2: Too bad because Mackenzie Davis is one of those actresses Who I, I really want to like She just hasn't quite found the project that I'm interested in She was very good in that uh, San Junipero Black Mirror episode
1: though Yeah
2: But that so far that's really all I've I've been really into I know people really like Hall and Catch Fire And I never watched it mm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's like I don't need to watch her yelling at Sarah Connor For not doing things the way she likes to just As much as I get to uh, So hopefully They'll figure something else out But not with her Because, spoiler alert, she don't make it If they make Terminator darkest fate
2: <laughs> Scary robots Just like in Alita, Sean Rosa Salazar
1: Rosa Salazar Is as far as i can tell a very beautiful person so i don't know why robert rodriguez was like we must hide her face and put a cartoon on top of it um but alita battle angel is definitely a good movie like maybe a little too good to be up for a mildly pleased i really
2: want to watch it now uh (laughs)
1: because they just slice off all the limbs it's one of the most anime movies i've ever seen come from the west which makes sense because based on a manga that also had uh, anime adaptations uh and it all centers around this young woman uh who's I, I guess it's a sort of a coming of age story but it's really more of her under uncovering the history of uh of her of who she used to be and the cyber wars that she fought in before she could remember everything and learn how to cut people up with swords and compete in it's not called rollerball but it's basically rollerball <laughs> what's it called uh motorball it's Roll called ball. motorball nice.
2: <laughs> would you say this is a coming of rage movie <laughs> yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah, she gets. She's yes. pretty pissed off for like the whole ending of the movie. <laughs> I, got, I can't spoil it because you said you want to watch it. A lot of people get decapitated, and um, and she's paired with good actors like Christoph Waltz, um, and she plays off them well. Um, and she's paired off with bad actors like um, Kean Johnson, her love interest in this. Mm who is just terrible.
3: <laughs> That's too bad.
1: At one point, he gives her a bar of chocolate, and for some reason in her hands, a bar of chocolate looks like for me if I was holding the like complete edition of Lord of the Rings. It's just gigantic. <laughs> and she bites this huge bite off of it, and you see the behind-the-scenes where she's... She's in this green outfit on this blue stage and she's got nothing in her hands and she has to act I like I know that. what I'm renting this weekend. <laughs> I gotta watch this. It's it's uh, for the same reason Will Smith is up here, like I don't know how much of it is the technology and how much of it's the performance, but I like the performance.
2: You know, I just think this has what? Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connolly, and Mahershala Ali, right? Yep. All Oscar winners. A lot of the Oscar power <laughs> behind this movie.
3: Hell
2: yeah. yeah
1: and uh and one more surprise at the end yeah one more oscar winner surprise yeah 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 i
2: think i've heard it but no spoilers so who's gonna take home the uh you know if not the gold what color would a mildly pleased award be
1: <laughs> feel like brown beige.
2: beige who's gonna take home the beige i like beige. it's not <laughs>
1: even a metal <laughs> <laughs> it's just a comfortable fabric it's like a,
2: like a guy shrugging We've beige. got
1: an, an upholstered guy shrugging
2: <laughs> Who's gonna take home the beige? I like what you're saying about Mackenzie Davis Even though I like Mackenzie Davis But I mean, that's what this is This isn't like a bad performance category
1: it, Yeah, it's funny Because I feel like the it's almost will be a, an iconic role But only for people that didn't see the movie
2: Yeah But I like that Being in there I like, I like that choice. Okay. I don't know.
1: I feel good about that because we can't give it to Lily James again.
2: Mm. I wonder if anyone's accidentally won a mildly. I was looking through some of our past uh, nominees. A lot of people have been nominated multiple times <laughs> Keanu Reeves, Kevin Costner, Channing Tatum. Some people just seem to come up a lot.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, what's Channing Tatum up to? We'll get him next year, I'm sure. So, so should we give it to Mackenzie? Sure. Alright, congratulations yeah. Mackenzie Davis I wish your character was in a better movie And now we come To the final Category of the night The mildly The apl- <laughs> mildly Movie of the year What upleasing? Well Maybe Fast and Fierce presents Hobbs and Shaw
2: I didn't see it guys What went wrong? And Um, what went right?
1: I saw it twice. Wow. In in a two-day span. Okay. Wow.
0: (laughs) Weird. Uh, I know I saw it with you the first time, because I've seen most of the recent Fast and Furious movies with you in theaters, because it's like our thing, I guess. We're, we're, We're like Hobbs and Shaw. Except we Who's don't it? hate each other, and we don't talk about each other's balls as much as they do.
1: <laughs> uh, well, Colin's obviously Shaw. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely. Because Shaw's like, I just want to do it on my own. I'm the best at what I do. Sounds like yeah. Colin. And Hobbs is like, I just want to do it on my own. I'm the best at what I do. <laughs> this is the problem with Hobbs and Shaw. They have two characters who are exactly the fucking same and they have to tr- <laughs> have to make it like they're the odd couple. And f- to the movie's credit they find a way to make a fairly compelling case but then at the end of the movie it's like, oh we're exactly the same, we have the, all the same goals and we should just team up. So um, it just repeats the arc from their last Fast and Furious movie, Fate of the Furious, which is one of the low points of the whole franchise. So I get why they'd be like, maybe people didn't see that. But I did. I saw that shit twice in theaters. <laughs> and I know that they did the exact same arc in Hobbs and Shaw. Um, but, but yeah, it, it opens up with a lot of um, uh, juxtaposition, right? Like they show like, Hobbs wakes up and he's like sweaty and he's got to like drink raw eggs. While Shaw wakes up and he's like in a very clean, pristine apartment and he like makes an omelet all fancy style because he's british because he's british
0: (laughs) all british people are
1: very neat, just inherently fancy fancy style um (laughs) which like on paper it's like they both wake up at the same time and eat eggs so they're the same person but they have you know a different take on it and also
0: they do it in different time
1: zones apparently (laughs) well yeah of course um I don't know. There there are some fun sequences. I feel like it feels more fake than a lot of the Fast and Furious action sequences Mm -hmm. do. Um, I I think one of the things that makes the series worthwhile is their commitment to doing as much with cars as they actually can. I mean, this is a series that literally dropped cars out of an airplane with parachutes. So it's it's not as exciting when they have uh, Idris Elba riding around with his robot bicycle best friend um, the that stuff's okay. You know, it's not terrible. Yeah. Like, like they definitely
0: introduced some sci-fi elements into the movie, which is kind of a stretch. Yeah, there's some Fast problematic Furious, stuff but,
1: where they have like, is that going to be what Fast <laughs> Nine is like this year? Yeah. Now that they literally have Black Superman as a villain, mm-hmm. did you like it though, Kong? Yeah, I,
0: I, it's, it's it's fine it was fun i had a good time i i didn't think about it much after seeing it but i enjoyed the ride while it was happening it just felt incredibly inconsequential and also felt like maybe they should wrap up the fast and furious (laughs) series like they're just just running out of ideas as far as what they can do with these these guys and their cars
1: Well, expect to hear more on this in our Anticipated Movies of 2020 Podcast next week Very excited Uh, It Chapter 2 It's in all the movie categories this year Is it going to go all the way?
2: (laughs) We did a whole podcast about it too Mm Mm-hmm. It is a weird movie Because it's a horror movie But it's like oh, well over two hours long But it's also like a very broad comedy
1: mm-hmm.
2: And like kind of an action adventure movie And kind of a video game Yeah
1: The, the less you think of it as a horror film The better it gets Yeah <laughs>
0: kind of
2: like everything but a horror (laughs) film (laughs) it's a
0: goofy movie it's weird it's a weird movie remember when they take out his little clown heart he's like a little shrunken he's like like, no
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's the end of this action blockbuster horror franchise
1: the end of one of the great horror characters of all time one of the scariest villains that ever lived Although. to
2: squish a uh, baby clown heart spoilers by the way <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, yeah it's just fucking weird man I mean it's a weird ass book it's crazy that the first one was as good as it was and the fact that there's anything good in any of this crazy cocaine fueled mess like props man that's, that's not an easy task so I give it a lot of respect for that and I like Bill Hader in this movie and some of the special effects are pretty cool It's just, it's too much.
1: Remember when the guy gets puked on? They play Just Call Me Angel. Oh yeah, real Deadpool
2: Hell
3: yeah. (laughs) sweet
1: Speaking of Deadpool, we also put Joker up in this category. (laughs) Is Joker like Deadpool? No, not at all.
0: I guess guess
2: if we're going to try to make it similar, it's like a very successful movie based off like a secondary character. Yeah. Mm Because we kind of live in this era where like, hey, Venom... He can be uh, the star Morbius. of a franchise, Morbius. Yeah, we're I expect to now. hear
1: more in our least anticipated movies podcast next week.
2: <laughs> like Joker, I think now is one of the most. I think it is the most profitable like superhero movie in terms of its budget of mm-hmm. all time now because it wasn't a super expensive movie and it made a lot of money.
1: Was it also the most profitable R rated movie? Of I all think. Time? I think that's right. Oh my yeah.
2: god! It is just so weird because like. Uh, The thing is, like, I almost wish I hated Joker more. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's fine. Like, it's really well made. It's pretty well acted. It just does not need to exist. It's so pointless. It has nothing to say. It has a gaping Batman hole. Yeah, and it's just like, when's Batman going to show up? I don't care about this psychopath. Batman needs to beat the shit out of this guy. There's enough lone, white, crazy psychopaths that are violent in America outside of the world of cinema. We have enough of them in the real world. We don't need a movie
1: glamorizing them. But at the same time, it barely glamorizes it. It does not portray this as a happy guy who's succeeding. Uh, there was so much paranoia when this movie came out that like, it's going to galvanize. It's going it's to inspire shootings. And it's like, did anyone see this movie before they were making these claims? This is just a story about a miserable man being miserable and sort of happening into celebrity through that, but not even good celebrity. Like, uh, it's just, it just bums me out, man.
2: Yeah, and then just from like a storytelling perspective, it makes me think about Robert McKee, how he says one of the most important things is your character should go through some kind of change. And I don't really feel like, you could maybe argue that Arthur goes through some kind of change. Like, he becomes more confident in his insanity, I suppose. Yeah. But really, he's, like, pretty insane from the get-go. Remember when he's at his, like, uh, psychiatrist, and he's got, like, his notebook, his journal with his jokes, and it's just full of everything you'd find in a murderer's notebook. It's got, yeah. like, pictures of, like, dead bodies and shit
1: and, like, new yeah. women. It's like the clues from Seven. <laughs>
2: It's like right from the get go, he has that. It's like I just
1: like, well, you've been keeping a journal. Good work.
2: <laughs> and then, like, it just he doesn't. Uh, and it's like this movie's fairly long, and not, not that much happens to him.
1: Mm-hmm. He's he's like oh, he doesn't seem like he's that far from being willing to kill people at the very beginning. He just he just needs a gun. <laughs>
2: Uh, but yeah, who knows? This might go on to win an, uh, an Oscar now for Best Actor because it won the Golden Globe uh, for uh, Best Actor in a Drama. Yeah, recently so. it turns
1: out Walking Phoenix is an asshole. Who knew? Yeah, Walking Phoenix is kind of a weird, dude. He's really right for this role. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but come on, do we need a world where they have another
1: Joker actor oh. like that wins an Oscar? What universe is this? Speaking of Deadpool, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. <laughs>
2: There's parts of this movie I really like It's funny It looks really good The CGI, fantastic They Uh did a great job with the Uh Pokemon What I don't like about Detective Pikachu Is the fact that they Right off the bat It's like, let's get into the weird Confusing Mewtwo shit That no one liked from the Pokemon movie From the
1: 90s also, let's open with a scene of someone being a Pokemon trainer and then never return to this concept again. The most interesting thing of the whole That was, was great. I love that scene.
2: It's like, I would really love to watch a movie about a Pokemon trainer, but like, no, this is about a Pokemon detective. And even then, like, it's really not that much of a traditional detective story. It mm-hmm. doesn't really feel like you're watching like, um, like a Poirot story by way of Pokemon,
1: which is what it should have <laughs> been, you know? Uh, which is what that game sounds like yeah Uh, which i was surprised how many elements of this movie are actually from that game Really, despite the game seeming so insanely different (laughs) um that said it definitely has a second act problem like they go to that lab and the giant pokemon get up and and they've clearly just like written themselves into a hole that they can't Climb out of, yeah. and so they just have the giant Pokemon sit down and Deus Ex Mewtwo, and it just gets so weird in in the end of the movie.
2: How did you feel about people turning into Pokemon?
1: <laughs> in theory, I think it's fun, but they didn't explore it enough in this. Yeah, it, it all happens at the end, and you don't like you don't get to see the Pokemon with the people's personalities. It's just it's over too quick. Agreed. Colin, do you know the big twist at the end of Pokemon Detective Pikachu?
0: No. Are you going to share it with me?
1: I just want you to know that I called it a long time before we saw the movie, and then it happened. You did.
0: Um, you are a Pokemon expert.
1: <laughs> do you want to guess what it
2: is?
0: I mean, I don't even really know what the movie is about. I was just so uninterested in this.
1: Okay, it relates to the mystery of why can Pikachu talk.
0: Oh, uh, is there like the this, this, this soul of an old man trapped inside this Pikachu.
1: Pretty close. Yeah, you're like eighty percent of the way there. This is
0: the soul of Deadpool. <laughs> yeah,
2: it turns out that a Detective Pikachu is the main kid's dad. Who's played by Ryan Reynolds in yes. real life. Mm. Who got turned? Who got like put into his Pokemon's body? through okay. that because there's technology in this movie that makes you go into Pokemon's bodies so like he thought his dad had disappeared or was dead but it turns out his dad was there all along just in the body of Pikachu
0: alright hot hot dad ghost I guess cool. he's
2: not dead he, like, I think he comes back at the end yeah, right? he comes back at the end yeah he's just like his consciousness they repair is there
1: relationship. and it's got the weird thing where it's like the kid's like still also kind of friends with the Pikachu but he's also like sort of never met the Pikachu because he's really it was really the dad so, they'll have to think that one through if they make a sequel. Okay. Don't sound like it.
2: Though I w- I'm interested in movies in the Pokemon universe. Make one about Pokemon training.
1: About Pokemon training, seriously. It's the only thing people should do in that world. I don't understand why you would be a boring detective when you could catch them all. <laughs> um, to my dismay, the final movie we've nominated is Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Episode 9, the final chapter of the Skywalker Saga, Um, the final chapter of the Palpatine Saga, the final chapter of the Solo Saga, that started with, You don't have a last name, you're traveling alone, your name is Han Solo. Which shows you just how meaningful names are in the Star Wars universe. Now, you said to
2: your dismay, but are you really surprised?
1: No, I'm, I mean, I might have been the
2: one
0: who put this on the list. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I, I figured you just meant you were dismayed that the movie was of this quality.
1: Yeah. And is on. Which, again, I I feel like we shouldn't be that surprised. I mean, we were all, as soon as... I mean, at the, at when, when The Last Jedi came out and we did that podcast, we were talking about, like, J.J. Abrams doesn't know how to do endings. Whatever they had written was written around Carrie Fisher so they're going to have to rewrite it Like we foresaw the problems that this production had and we were just banking on well they know what they are too and they'll be smart about uh, adjusting to them and depending on who you ask I don't think they were um, I think Princess Leia could have just not been in this movie and it would have been better than the Princess Leia soundboard Interaction scenes that we got in this. <laughs> I think Kylo Ren could have been. I mean, I'm, this is our last podcast we put out, so I don't yeah, know Yeah, you can check it
2: out on mildlyplease.com or iTunes, search mildly Please. You find our episode of The Pick, Ride Skywalker. I don't really have much to add because we talked about it for like over two hours. Yeah. Uh, it feels right to have it in this category. I'm not going to lie. Will it join the ranks of such former winners uh, like Sully? and Godzilla,
1: <laughs> and Spectre, and Ready Player One. Wow. Those are wow. just a few of the ones that I found. For me, we're going with a lot of two and a half star movies in this category, <laughs> and I gotta say, I gave The Rise of Skywalker two and a half stars mm. on Letterboxd when I rated it. Mm.
0: What'd you give Hobbs and Shaw?
1: I think I gave it a full three. Oh, nice. I think I
0: gave it three, too. Honestly, for me, that's the front runner. <laughs> like, totally had a good time with it it wasn't a great movie by any stretch of the imagination but like i got what i wanted from it didn't really disappoint me in any way other than you know that these characters have some pretty huge limitations
1: (laughs) yeah and huge muscles yeah it did deliver on muscles oh so good for the muscles i also gave it chapter two three full stars I might have given Joker three full stars or two and a half.
2: I will say that um, this would not be a, a uh, Hobbs and Shaw would not be the first Furious movie to win this category. <laughs> Fate of the Furious won this category before.
1: That was pretty recent.
2: All right. It, you know it's funny it beat
1: uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> Um that kinda that kind of takes kind of out of contention. There's a right. lot
2: of parallels to looking back at that year. It's just like our world just keeps repeating itself. So it's, not that we need to go into it, but our nominees for Miley Please Award's best film or Most Miley Pleasing Film 2017 were Fade of the Furious, Split, which has come up a lot tonight, <laughs> Robin J Israel Esquire, which came up tonight, it and then the other one that didn't really
1: come up is Justice League. Yeah. We're trapped in this vicious cycle yeah. So 2017 was the Was also 2019 Is what you're saying We're just going to be back
2: in two years Talking about the new Split movie And the new, Ro- <laughs> <laughs> the new uh, Dan Gilroy movie oh, Something so with James McAvoy in it <laughs> <laughs> And some oh. DC failure
0: So then what do you think it would be Sean If it isn't Hobbs and Shaw
1: I think John is gesturing towards Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, I am. I'd, I'd be okay with that. It makes me... I'm more comfortable with that than I am with Joker.
2: Well, like, I, th- I think Joker's a fine movie. It just it pisses me off that it's this cultural phenomenon that doesn't deserve it. <laughs> How many fucking Joker comics have come out that have done the same thing but better? Like, do we need this? We don't need this. And this is the worst time for it. Ugh. Remember when he dances that pedophile song.
1: He dances so much in that movie. <laughs> you cannot overstate how often the Joker is dancing. It's basically a musical
2: because he's got to show you how weird his body is. <laughs> that kind <of> like Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix thinks like, look at my weird body <sighs> in look
1: my at movies. My body. All right. Well, then. So Star Wars.
2: I don't know that it's ever actually won. Uh, like, I don't think, I don't know that Rogue won or uh, mm-hmm. or Solo won. It's
1: surprising
0: that Solo didn't win, but well, I Well, guess... I don't know,
2: maybe it did. What year was Solo?
0: Well, I think it went up against Ready Player One. Oh, yeah, it did. Very mildly please.
1: Yes, so last year's nominees were Crazy Rich Asians, A Quiet Place, Ready Player One, Solo, and Unsane. And Ready Player One did win. I stand by that
2: i'm proud I, i'm proud of all these these past picks and i'd be i'd be proud
1: to stand by rise of skywalker jason statham won best or mildly pleasingest actor last year too mm-hmm. star of Hobbs and shaw
3: <laughs>
1: we got our favorites <laughs> all right i think it's star wars then Don, don't uh, tell you know, nancy he'll never read the post if we don't tell him he'll far. never know yeah i'll never get this far uh, <laughs> um, so that concludes the 2019 uh, Mildly Please Awards. Uh, by the time we're recording this and you're hearing this, it's 2020, guys. 20 twice, 20 squared, 20 to the power of 2, um, which means we're doing top 10 lists on the blog. We've already done our favorite albums of the year, our favorite shows of the year. We got movies of the year coming up. We got our most anticipated and least anticipated movies, and we got best of the decade stuff uh, coming down the pipeline too. So, a lot to stay tuned on mildlyplease.com and on, on iTunes or whatever. Just search for mildly please. You'll get those podcasts. We're gonna we're gonna keep it going. So, look forward to that, and we'll speak to you next time.
3: Dancing with a stranger Look what you made me do I was somebody new Oh baby, baby I'm dancing with
0: a stranger Dancing with a stranger